This podcast is brought to you by patreon.com slash talking simpsons. Head there to check out exclusive podcasts like Talking Futurama, Talk King of the Hill, the What a Cartoon Movie Podcast, and tons more. I heartily endorse this event or product. Ahoy hoy everybody and welcome to Talking Simpsons, the podcast that provides a comforting snugness. I'm your host, the podcast spokes Jack Bob Mackey, and this is our chronological exploration of The Simpsons, who is here with me today as always. The always redorculated Henry Gilbert. <laughs> and who do we have on the line? I'm Eric Peacock. You know me on Twitter as Uve Bollocks if you follow me on there. And this week's episode is The Blunder Years. Ah! Here you go! Ah! <laughs> This week's episode originally aired on December 9th, 2001, and as always, Henry will tell us what happened on this mythical day in real-world history. (gasps) Oh my god! Oh boy, Bobby, Ocean's Eleven is first at the box office. Surviving Nirvana members Chris Novoselic and Dave Grohl sue Courtney Love, and Creed's Weathered topped the album charts. That's the one with my sacrifice. Oh. That's that's the number one album. Perfect for Mm -hmm, post-9-11. Yeah, we're two two months out from it. Such a dire time for music. It was such a dire time for music. Yeah, would you, uh, you you didn't buy that uh, that uh, weathered album yourself, Eric, or did you? Okay, I, I will make a small admission. And uh, so around where I'm from, we had one like cool radio station, and it was 89X, which is it's a country station now, which is what all of these stations have seemed to have done. But you know, they played a lot of that new metal stuff, and so it went like 19 or whatever at the time. Yeah, I was really really into some of that stuff and like that my own prison album like i remember thinking this is pretty cool but by the time weathered came out it was like uh, <laughs> uh and uh, yeah i remember being sad at the time of the uh hearing of uh, the nirvana members were suing courtney love and just all of this like ugliness going on what do you know what the lawsuit was over uh it was about a greatest hits collection or there was there was one like lost song of or like a never released uh nirvana song and they were looking to re-release it. I forget which side didn't want to release it, or uh, it was certainly that they disagreed with Courtney Love and the estate Hmm. of uh, Kurt Cobain on what to do with this unreleased song and how to release it, which I think then got like leaked to radio stations uh, by one side or the other, and eventually it got settled in September, and the the collection with the unreleased uh, track was officially put out for sale. Well, you know, she's got a good head on her shoulders. Yes, the 2000s, yeah. that's her century. <laughs> her in 2001, Courtney Love was only making good decisions. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Now, <laughs> how many lawsuits? I, it'd be funny to see how many lawsuits she's been involved in at this point. You know, there's <laughs> got to be like at least double digits. She uh, wasn't. She turned down being on The Simpsons anyway. But when she was offered to be on, uh, when they planned on her being in Homer Palooza, unnamed other artists who were in that episode said they wouldn't do it if Courtney Love was in it, hmm. which, uh, you know, that could have been the Smashing Pumpkins that said it. It could have been, uh, the, it could have been anybody, you know, but they were not. I naming. think it was Cypress Hill. I think it was Cypress Hill. They have a big beef with Courtney Love. <laughs> <laughs> and I've never seen any of the Ocean's movies. I'm sorry. It's oh. too, it's too Rat Pack adjacent. I can't support that. <laughs> but it's a Rat Pack for the next generation, Bob, but the generation before you, but the next generation. Yeah. yeah. 
I, I liked the movies okay. I liked them all right. Yeah, I'm sure they're fine. Yeah, I didn't know if this is a safe place to say it. I already admitted to liking the uh, first two Creed songs I heard, so I didn't know if it was okay to be like, I actually kind of like the Oceans movies, but I don't want to like embarrass myself. No, really I, I think we even get to the episode. Most people do, but I, I'm just a weirdo. But it's uh, something about these days just seeing movie stars in the movie is like you're seeing movie stars and they like act and stuff, and there's not not a bunch of special effects. It's just like a bunch of movie stars acting. I, I will say the last time I watched Oceans Eleven, which gave me the the highest opinion of it, was when I. I was in Las Vegas like it was almost like they did it they put it on TV <laughs> to uh, like as a commercial for where you're all like hey you're in Las Vegas here's them just walking down the strip like don't you don't you want to look at the <laughs> fountains at the Bellagio just like they do at the end of this the is you but you're in flip-flops <laughs> <laughs> Uh, you know, it, it, I replaced the the food that Brad Pitt is continually eating with a uh, with a, a an all you can eat buffet hmm. at Caesars. That's that's what I did. Uh, but yes, that's that's what was happening in the late 2001 when and and of course I mean look I could bring people down with like updates of what was happening oh. in Afghanistan every week or or new stuff with laws uh, like the Patriot Act updates. Pl- plenty but, of corpse shoots to go around. Yes, yeah. These these are the happier memories of of late 2001 uh but yes joining us today our special guest is eric peacock of the sound tracker podcast welcome to the show eric Woo. thank you so much for having me on i really appreciate this and uh you know obviously we'll get to it more when we talk about the episode but it, it it made me realize a few things about my personal history with the simpsons which i know you're you, you know we're getting to that oh yeah um yeah this is one that i didn't realize how familiar with it i was actually until going to revisit it and then it made me realize like my timeline with when i kind of started to get out of the simpsons is like way way off when it stopped becoming a regular thing for me to watch every week like i had to watch the simpsons it lasted way longer than i realized i realized watching this episode so yeah yeah you know this actually for me is one of the ones i first missed recording i had been recording Gasp. this is the final tale of the tape every uh, you know i think i picked it back up a little bit but this was kind of when the streak was broken and i was feeling less into the show as it went on i think i think this was an episode that was maybe too harsh on back in 2001 as i say about a lot mm-hmm. of them back then but uh yeah i i did watch this when it was new and i didn't like it for the candidate added to the show but then i realized oh "Oh, it ignores that forever and (laughs) outside of that one addition to the history of the show which has been ignored as i said it's it's very very funny i think this is a very funny episode and mo mo is so funny in this episode Uh mo's always good but I, I, it's funny you say that because I definitely had notes on like just how much yeah Mo steals the show whenever he's in this episode. <laughs> well, and uh, Eric, you uh, have have similar uh, age and background to us. I think I think even like Bob, you're you're from Ohio and and grew up there. I uh, so I'm curious, like, well, is your Simpsons history the the typical one of growing up with it? Yeah. So okay, if I had to pick, like, obviously, you know, Simpsons started when I was. What year did Simpsons start again? It was. Uh, you know, Christmas 89 89 okay so I was nine years old and around that time you know it's when I'm like forming my sort of like the sense of humor that I carry today and I think the the biggest like my biggest inspiration like the sense of humor that I have now is going to be like the Zucker Abram Zucker movies like especially Naked Gun but I would put the Simpsons right below that hmm. is in regards to like shaping the sense of humor that I have as as a 41 year old man and Henry you and I spoke about this you know my favorite episode of the Simpsons of all time is Homer Badman 
And I, I'm my girlfriend is a few years younger than I am. And you said your your partner is as well. And the, my girlfriend's, you know, for her, her like prime era of Simpsons, for me, it would be like three through nine. And like would be like where they nine, you can kind of start to see the cracks. I think mm-hmm. that's where you can kind of start to see the cracks in like they're just tremendous run that they had for you know that number of seasons and you know for her when i asked her about that episode she was like i, I don't know that one and she loves the simpsons <laughs> but her era I, I i wonder if this is the case for you know it's like people who grew up with the the star wars prequels they think the prequels are like that's that's star wars to them mm. and you know i wonder if that's there's like an age thing here with you know somebody who was maybe younger thinks that their prime era is seasons eight through 15 or something like that. But for me, it's seasons three through nine. And as I said earlier, watching this episode, I realized that I I, I was still regularly watching The Simpsons because I had forgotten the, and I'm going to probably at some point during this episode, I'm just letting you know, 50-50 chance that I end up accidentally calling this episode the blurst of times for some reason. (laughs) I don't know why I cannot get that out of my head. Watching The Blunder Years, uh, you know, the, the Burly Man subplot, is like the thing that I remembered the most from this episode because I love that little sub. I love like anything that shows what a genuine weirdo Marge can be and like be like a lonely sort of like bored housewife that has sort of led to her being just as weird as the rest of the family that you don't get to see very often. And as soon as I saw this, I was like, yeah, I was still like regularly watching the show at this point. So I think that for me, you know, I trailed off probably about season 14 or 15, but yeah, you know, probably the same as you where it was my my big years were seasons like three through nine but i still think there's some very funny stuff going forward in more than i thought you know i was kind of like after season nine it got but there's some very funny episodes in those seasons like the four or five seasons following season nine that yeah yeah i did not remember there being you know obviously i think the simpsons is a funny show i don't i I think people are too hard on later seasons it's i've caught episodes that i'm like it still makes me laugh you know, it's it's still funny. It's just any show that's been on for this long is not going to maintain mm-hmm. the consistency that it once had. And I've like at, at 41, maybe I'm old enough to accept that. <laughs> you know, we're not as funny as we were 20 years ago either. It's true. So, yeah. <laughs> no. <laughs> Go back to my old work. <laughs> no, no, no. I. But yeah, I, I I know that feeling. Well, I think too there was this. I I heard this about SNL that some people had this belief that like, oh, what is your favorite seasons of Saturday Night Live? It's probably when you were in high school, like that was but i do still feel with simpsons that even with younger people i've met like they're not as negative as we are of the like post 10 seasons or we were i think me and bob have reevaluated those feelings a bit but but i do think that mostly to people they could at least like uh, like oh these are the class the classic seasons are still classic to them or maybe a younger person is told these are the classic seasons and so they watch those because that's how they discover them perhaps mm-hmm. but yeah but uh, you know eric yeah you mentioned i i want to bring up your your great podcast soundtrack I uh, loved doing the Mallrats one and talking about like a, a, a teen years of being Kevin Smith maniac uh, that I was <laughs> and, and reflecting on that. That was a whole lot of fun. It, it was. And, you know, it's so funny. I was just, I was just thinking about this the other day. So just for a little background on that, Henry and I had to do that in two parts because <laughs> when we went into it, I had an appointment. Somebody was coming to fix this cable or this uh electric line outside of my house that i was like genuinely afraid somebody was going to die on i had this like cut line that i was like someone's got to fix this and i'm not 
I don't know anything about electricity. And, you know, I had said enough time. I'm like, no, we were going to talk about Kevin Smith and Mallrats for that long. And all of a sudden it was like, <laughs> it ended up being a three hour long episode. But it's one of my favorites. We, I had such a good time doing that episode. And like, you know, yeah, like you said, talking about Kevin Smith fandom and like as it organically became this. Yeah, like one of my longer episodes that I I, I love that one. And I, again, appreciate you coming on. And I, I realized something here. I have been thinking about tying in this day in history and i didn't think about the fact that i subconsciously nicked that from your show nah, hey. i was coming <laughs> we're hardly the first it to was... do it so don't worry I, I, I know i know but i was like as soon as as soon as we were doing it or as soon as i was uh i was you know i was listening to a few leading up to this too and i was like i had that idea like last week and i was like shit i completely nicked this from them <laughs> this is something that <laughs> we, I we're stealing from other people too so yeah. it's all it's all it's all just a big cycle now, I I love on, you know, Soundtracker, uh, something I really enjoy about it is like, it's not just about, you know, talking about a movie uh, from, you know, that you, you enjoy or, or remember, like it's the, uh, analyzing the album, like it was using, it was using muscles I don't normally use of like, wait, music history or like, oh yeah, I have to review a song. <laughs> like I don't, I don't think about songs in that way often in, in uh, our normal animation podcast chat, which that was a lot of fun too well and that's one of the things about that show too is that when i first started it like i genuinely will admit like in the boys in the hood episode with brian that i did i had no idea no idea what i was doing going into it it was just like i've been putting this off for so long i'm getting a microphone and i'm going to make this happen and uh you know i brian quinby and i who you've had on here before Mm -hmm. have hung out in real life you know so it was like it was it made sense for him as a guest because i didn't feel like as pressured i guess because you know i knew him and i'm like if this is a disaster like <laughs> at least at least i know who he is i initially it was like okay i guess i'm just going to talk about the songs and it actually worked the opposite way for me where it became just as much of a movie discussion as it did the songs like very organically in that first episode and you know you said you don't think about music in that way and i do but i i think another thing that helps at least is that i'm not somebody who ever yeah i don't i didn't train in music i have no idea what i'm talking about so it's all like gut feeling sort of stuff you know i'm not like oh yeah he did the reverb with the i don't have no idea what i'm talking about uh, who are your guys notes they were playing. who are your guys <laughs> now speaking of uh, kevin smith uh the 2001 was the year of jay and silent bob strike back and i was thinking could I have purchased the Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back DVD for Christmas that year? The answer, of course, is no. You couldn't chase away your 9-11 blues until February of 2002. Man. Yeah. Boy, <laughs> hey, that was blew it. That was a double DVD set. There was like a second movie's worth of deleted scenes. Oh, that's probably what took on that I was one. just about to ask if that's the one you have, the real thick case. Yes. I have that one, too. Well, head. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I shed all of my DVDs when I stopped being a Kevin Smith fan. Uh, I still have Clerks, though. I still have Clerks on DVD. Man. No, that's so funny. The, yeah, I, uh, that was a great... Uh, Mallrats was a fun one to talk about. I am, I'm especially interested in like 90s soundtrack, movie me- soundtracks myself because whether it be like a Batman Forever or Space Jam or Mallrats, like it did introduce me to a lot of, you know, musicians I didn't first hear on the radio. You know, like a lot of bands, as as was the marketing purpose of the, the record company as well. So, yeah. Yeah, like cynically, you know, you can look at the soundtrack era as it was a way for and obviously I don't kid myself with the show, but like cynically, you can look at it as this was like, yeah, record companies or even the people involved with the movie realizing they could squeeze a little bit more money out of these things. 
But, you know, Henry, you, you point out something that I, I hear this a lot on the show and I like hearing it because it was kind of my whole reason for doing it is it was a place for people to discover bands that they probably had never heard before or in a lot of cases have never heard since. You know, mm-hmm. there's a lot of songs like that where it's like they had one song on a soundtrack and then you know that was that was their big moment but for people who didn't grow up with them i feel like that's something that you don't want to sound like an old man like look what they took away from us but that's kind of how it is like you know the era of not putting out physical soundtracks is is something that i think a lot of younger people are missing out on that sort of opportunity to discover bands that way yeah well hey now they're discovering it on uh tiktok i don't know how young people discover <laughs> that's music not how now. it works i don't know that's where I'm you groom old. young women oh, okay i'm sorry <laughs> so i've heard i you know tiktok recently taught me a, a quick way to clean your air fryer really so I'm okay it, uh, i'm giving it a shot tonight the dawn soap and you turn it on is that, that that's one the one about? that's the one yeah but yeah i have I have mine soaking in the sink right now because I haven't gotten brave enough to try that yet. But uh, I'm cooking some chicken after we get off here, and I, I I keep meaning to do it. Actually, it's not that I'm afraid to do it; it's that I my 41 year old brain can't remember things. And then as soon as you said that, I was like, oh shit, I've been meaning to do that. And, uh, I you know I saw it endorsed by Drew Barrymore on TikTok, so it's got to be true. It's got to be she she must know she has nothing to gain from this. Yeah, <laughs> I want to talk about the episode up front though. Yes. Uh, some certain references. So it's named the Blunder Years. It's a reference to the Wonder Years, a show they've before a few times but it's a slightly out of date reference uh the show ran from 88 to 93 a great show a very very quality uh, emmy winning show there is a 2021 reboot i think in the past i mistakenly thought it was uh, about the 80s or the 70s no it goes back to the same time period but from a oh. black perspective oh okay oh, so there you have it and i guess you know if they did it for white people in the 80s that's just the goldbergs pretty much right in yeah 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 i just have goldbergs <laughs> on the mind because of the time of this recording they just did an episode where they cgi jeff garland into a scene very oddly put that guy in elden ring or something he's frightening (laughs) i want to stumble across like the plane of garland he he does look like one of the guys who would be giggling to you a giggling npc he should be calling me tarnished I saw that out of context when someone posted that last shot of him smiling and I thought that someone had like face apped a CGI Jeff Garland and then realized that was exactly what it looked like in the show. It was one of those where I had to kind of work backwards. I was like, what is this CGI <laughs> Jeff Garland? And why did someone face app a smile onto it? <laughs> uh, well, he's not allowed on the set for reasons. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and this, yeah. Was, this was Al Jean's idea this episode. I believe there was like an index card pinned up of premises for episodes and one was labeled Smithers' father's apparent murder. Right. And uh, that was the idea for this in my memory i thought this was an al Jean written one because it is a lengthy film parody well one act is a long film parody which that's what i mean he made the an entire series for that the critic so i i always associate those so finding out in the commentary that it was an al Jean pitch given to ian maxstone graham makes a lot of sense uh you know as a kid i did watch stand by me it was one of those like taped off hbo things Mm -hmm. but it terrified me as a kid like i I was seeing kids in a movie who were you know i was six and they're like supposed to be 12 in the movie i think like river phoenix and others were like 15 when they filmed it but uh but i'm seeing these slightly older kids and it scared me the guns the knives the though honestly what stuck with me the most as a kid was leeches inside your underwear like that terrified the me leech scene yeah yes. and i'm sure you're a fan of the eating contest scene right Ugh, yes i that disgusted <laughs> it me looks too. it yeah. looks so fake now if you it go does, back to it, it in, in a hilarious way <laughs> But yeah, Rob Reiner uh, on 
fire in the 80s also uh, princess bride that's right yep one after the other. maybe that's why my mom thought i should watch it because it's like oh you know you love princess bride which i did i watched it a million times in a row one and eric you went above and beyond before this recording you were you rewatched stand by me yeah and i you know it's funny because i watched the episode first and i knew that like i there literally was no reason for me to like ha- I, I love stand by me so it was just like an excuse to rewatch it which i actually had not seen it it's funny because it, when you were talking about parts that freaked you out my first thought was the leech thing but it had been a long time since i had seen the movie so i had kind of forgotten the leech thing and ah. uh as soon as it got to that part i was like oh god that's right the leeches but yeah i i knew there wasn't really a ton of reason to watch stand by me for this because like you said it's it's a small very small section of the episode but you know never really a bad reason to watch stand by <laughs> me again and it and bob you're right the vomiting scene looks completely fake now but i think that is good because if it's <laughs> yeah. realistic it would be a little too much it's mm. like when someone vomited on snl back in the day there'd just be a hose in their sleeve <laughs> and they're just putting their hand up to their mouth and the the, uh, the vomit would be coming out the hose in their sleeve very very yeah. very cutesy i you know the it, it really took me back watching it uh, being a kid and seeing it and re- remembering like oh yeah i will wheaton is slightly older than me all these people are except for river phoenix he's i'm older than him now uh but um but yeah no i i like the movie too. rewatch i rewatched about i kind of skipped around because i uh, but it's a tidy 90 minutes i was watching like the oh beginning and ending and some key scenes last night and yeah it's it goes by really fast i know i'm stealing this observation from family guy but i thought this before family guy did the joke on it but why doesn't <laughs> Kiefer sutherland's character get revenge on uh gordy for pointing a gun at him like he says i'm gonna i'm not gonna forget this kid but nothing happens to gordy he grows up to be richard dreyfus like the 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 hood doesn't <laughs> like stab him at any that's point. his terrible fate he becomes richard dreyfus <laughs> <laughs> has the son ben oh yeah, yes. yeah. Ooh, an even worse fate <laughs> Ooh, that guy yeah <laughs> my theory i hadn't thought about this and i don't know the family guy joke but I, my theory on this is that Kiefer sutherland's character in retrospect maybe given some time to cool down respects gordy for standing up to him like that okay i can see hold that. water really but <laughs> i could see that but yeah i mean he just says like i'm not gonna forget this then nothing happens like he doesn't and and they and richard dreyfus's monologue is supposed to address like well after that blah 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 blah. so you would think he would say oh and after this uh i'm just calling him Kiefer Sutherland. i forget the character's name but he doesn't he doesn't say like and you know what that guy never did get revenge he got arrested by the cops the next week for something else or whatever like nothing nothing uh explains why revenge was not held uh, taken on him i was trying to google something here and i want to make sure i'm not saying this wrong but Kiefer sutherland's character and I, i'm trying to i don't think i have this wrong Kiefer sutherland's character and i forget his name too in the stephen king universe is henry bowers from it is his brother and oh. i think actually in one of the other stephen king books they explain that he died or went to prison or something okay now, i don't and that doesn't really answer your question as far as gordy goes but it's you know king liking to um tie his universes together but yeah as long as i'm not misremembering this his character is supposed to be henry bowers from its brother so okay. and they, they think they actually give an update on what happened to him <laughs> after the body or stand by me in one of the stephen king books oh, that's cool it's probably yeah. the extended king averse i bet in one of those weirdo dark tower sequels all the kids show up again and <laughs> dance around talk about their futures <laughs> uh i also i also i remember the richard dreyfus framing device but when i rewatched it, i was like oh right he's a writer of course he is like that's every every stephen king story is like <laughs> you know it's an approachable job somebody to have a writer they write is he living in maine 
mean? Uh, you know, but what he's not doing is cocaine on screen. Uh, that's the one difference. Uh, I also, I do like that Al Jean jokes on the commentary. Like he admits, oh yeah, we just ripped this off from Stand By Me. But then he's like, but you know what? The then new novel of 2009, Under the Dome, was accused of ripping off the Simpsons movie from 2007. So he, Al Jean's like, hey, he got us back. He ripped us off back for Under the Dome. I forgot about it. I remembered it just as the TV show starring Dean Norris. I right. forgot it was a book uh, four years before that. Lots of dome-based entertainment in that era. <laughs> yeah, Stephen King, you know, I, I, I grew up, Stephen King was like, probably what got me not probably he's absolutely got me into reading like a lot of Stephen King readers about my it's like actually a timeline almost lines up with the Simpsons where uh about my senior year of high school I think it was Rose Matter was the one that I was like oh boy this is getting this is getting bad <laughs> and uh you know I had given up on him for a while but after I got hit by that van obviously not counting Dreamcatcher because he was like hopped up on Oxy when he wrote that one after the accident <laughs> but it's like he's just like writing like he's going to die tomorrow and he has put out a few very good good books since that accident that yeah. I've, I've been going back and revisiting I, I guess i bring this up because it ties in with this this episode of the simpsons in that i got disney plus strictly to watch the simpsons i was like oh all the simpsons are here and like maybe i'll catch up with some of these ones that i've not seen and all, all i've done since i got it is watch like the banger episodes that i know <laughs> between like seasons three and nine and it, this episode has made me be like i do need to go and check out some of the stuff that i've missed because it's like stephen king i had given up on him and eventually went back and started checking out some of his later period books and have found some stuff that I really enjoy. So, you know, hopefully that hurts out with the Simpsons because, you know, I'm paying whatever Disney plus costs a month to watch like the same, <laughs> like couple dozen Simpsons episodes. So I only read it a little of the, uh, like a couple of his biggest hits as, as, a, as a youth with Stephen King. I didn't keep up with the stuff. And also there's just so much. He just yeah. writes so much. It's hard yeah. to keep up with. Yeah. I, I, I read his books in uh, high school. Uh, and I think like every precocious teen will read the stand because it's just so big and i did i read every page of that book wow the unabridged yeah. version <laughs> same with that in needful things i was like man that's so much writing i'll just see the movie like <laughs> i that's the thing i i read maybe like two stephen king books ever but i think uh i watched pretty much every every movie adaptation of his stuff up to green mile i watched all of it as as a youth i even even the ones where he wrote the original script for it and it wasn't uh it wasn't based on a book even like i i watched those <laughs> even no matter how bad they got but now uh yeah i'm, I'm you know stephen king still added he's uh, he's a bit of an epic liberal on twitter with his tweets yeah uh, but you <laughs> it's know. like him and mark hamill and george takai uh takai sorry uh they're all part of the same like elderly liberal uh <laughs> yes. celebrity club <laughs> i know Inv invigorated by trump's election and yeah it's uh i i think uh yeah the movie stand by me i think it, it holds up really well especially because you know it does have this kind of eerie quality to it too in that unintentionally it's about remembering river phoenix who's dead like his character yeah. is dead and it it's you're reflecting back on his tragic death and that's uh it's it adds it adds extra stuff to it you don't expect when watching it but yeah seeing all of these young actors you know it captures them at such a perfect time in their life including you know I, when i watched it too i remembered i remember jerry o'connell's character who is the fat kid of the movie i remember
remembered him fa- fatter. Like he is like, you know, <laughs> he is he is a slightly husky, you know? I think you did the same thing I did. And that's where I sort of, I think I had combined his character with the kid in the pie eating contest in my head. Going mm. back to it, I had the same thought. I'm like, he's not nearly as big as I seem to remember him being. No, there's a fat kid for you. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. well also, <laughs> like what I do like about it is they're not half as mean as the kids are to the fat kid in Goonies. Like that's a much meaner movie to the fat kid. Dance, you fat fuck. Yeah, I know. But I, <laughs> and boy, being a, a fat kid who grew up in that age, it's uh it's I hate the Goonies. I never liked the Goonies as a kid because of all that. Isn't the it fat kids funny stuff. when he eats all the ice cream? Yeah, I know. This the little fat little piggy can't stop himself. Dance. The truffle shuffle. <laughs> they also fatty. made him Jewish for some reason. Oh, they, I forgot that <laughs> aspect. Boy, that's why well, I, I that's extra mean. Why did no that <laughs> no they uh, you know a movie a movie that handles the and it's not without its problems because it has that 80s throwing out homophobic slurs that you find in so many 80s movies. But I've said before that the movie that if, if in a just world, the monster squad would be just as beloved as the Goonies is. And the fat kid in that, the kid, the friends aren't mean to him. It's the bully kids, you know, and he gets his revenge and he gets that really sweet line. My name's not fat kid. My name is Horace. Like oh. they did a much better job with that character in the monster squad. Yeah. I thought, yes, that as a kid, I love that bit of him because he gets the cool, like shotgun reloading moment. And also he reads accurate comic books to the day, which I also appreciated. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I know if I could, you know, I, I support your view on that. We need to replace it in the canon. Monster Squad and Goonies need to swap positions in cultural esteem. I, I agree. <laughs> the only positive on Goonies is that its music video got to feature a bunch of uh, WWF pro wrestlers. That's the it's, only. It's, <laughs> it's a much better song than the Monster Squad song. The Monster okay, Squad sure. rap. Yeah. Good yeah. enough. Good <laughs> enough. Yeah, good. That is a better song. I like. It. Speaking of soundtracks, hey, we brought back the soundtrack. I. Yeah. yeah yes. You know, I remembered Stand by Me having more songs in it. not that it doesn't have songs in it but i was thinking it was like a big chill level of like record uh needle drops from from the era no it's a 10 song album if i remember correctly 10 or 11 but one thing i will say about that soundtrack because I, I don't own the stand by me soundtrack but you know i know the songs from it I, after we had discussed this i was like i'm gonna list i i also went above and beyond by listening to the soundtrack wow. but it's you know it's a bunch of standards but what it does is and i think this is an important thing one thing about stand by me too is i don't know why they changed it to castle rock oregon instead of keeping it in maine but that movie nails the aesthetic like it literally looks like it was filmed when it was supposed to be filmed in like a small town you know music's very important and like the little the very few needle drops that it has in the movie are perfect for the time and i think it did a very good job as far as that goes and you know one one last fact about stand by me that is learned by all uh video game players i was who love just Japanese about to games. say this oh well, you, blah, please you say it uh i'm sorry i, I, I just nothing, nothing to add and this is brewing in my brain uh it's very popular in japan this movie and one of the first things uh, one of the first lines of dialogue you read in the first generation of pokemon games is if you examine the tv uh your character says oh there's three boys walking along the train tracks i better get going too referencing stand by me yeah and oh. also they covered a uh, florence and the machine covered Stand by Me for Final Fantasy 15, which was like the main theme of that game. It's about four boys. It's about four boys on an adventure. Yes, yeah. It is. I mean, they're like supposed to be like 23 or something. The oldest yeah. one is 23. The, uh, the elder of the group.
group. That's true. Who's who really looks? <laughs> like I a built 30, a new recipe. He looks like a thirty-five-year-old man. He that, does. Uh, yeah. No. I. Yeah. I was shocked if because so when I played that Pokemon game and it said that on the TV, I would have always thought, "Yep, that that what must be the Americans put that in there." I didn't know how big Stand By Me was in Japanese culture, but and I think like the Mother series or Earthbound is really referencing Stand By Me with like mm-hmm. young people on an adventure yeah. kind of thing. And uh, it was thanks to that uh, Legends of Localization website that uh, explained that like no, in the original, it's the exact of of Pokemon Red and Blue. It says the the description that's in English as well. Like it is supposed to be Stand By Me. Uh, my husband also showed me he's a big Pokemon fan. There was like a Pokemon official music video about like history of Pokemon kind of tribute, and it starts with a recreation of the walking down the train tracks shot from hmm. from it like it's uh yeah stand by me very very big in japan at least for for a lot of people who make uh video games I'll, i can at least say that i d- i don't really know what i mean other than just it came out in japan in the 80s around the same time it came out here and it just really got big with the people in japan i, I don't really know why uh, another really odd stand by me connection that i learned doing the boys in the hood episode of sound tracker is that john singleton took like that whole first section of the movie and all the way up until the end when Doughboy fades away when he's walking away and it says that Doughboy was murdered a few weeks later he took a ton of influence from Stand By Me for Mm. Boys in the Hood which is another really strange connection that's okay that's that's why I kept waiting for one of the other characters to vanish in the moment like that because I was conflating it with the end of Boys in the Hood that was I see now The Simpsons will be right back. Hypnotism brings back a shocking memory. There you go! The Simpsons, all new, next on Fox. Welcome back to the old swimming hole and a big thank you to our guest this week, Eric Peacock of the Sound Tracker Podcast. Please follow him on Twitter and definitely check out the Sound Tracker Podcast. Uh, you know, you can hear the Mall Rats one I did with him just a little bit ago. It was super fun having Eric on. Thank you so much. And if you enjoy the Talking Simpsons podcast, you should know that we're only able to do this thanks to the supporters at patreon.com slash talking Simpsons. Those subscribers for five bucks a month are why me and Bob can do this as our full-time job. And they get two bonus podcasts each month of me and Bob covering Futurama and King of the Hill. That's right. If you signed up for five bucks a month right now, you could hear next week's episode of Talking Simpsons a week ahead of time and ad free, as well as this month's episode of Talking Futurama, this month's episode of Talk King of the Hill, and our entire back catalog of podcasts covering Futurama, King of the Hill, Mission Hill, The Critic, and our 10 favorite episodes of Batman, the animated series. You should check all of that out at patreon.com slash Talking Simpsons. If you want something as nice as a dinner with Chad Sexington, then you should sign up at the premium level of patreon.com slash Talking Simpsons. 
there. Top level subscribers not only get all the $5 things I just said, but also they get the monthly What a Cartoon movie podcast where we talk about an animated feature film super duper in depth, just like we do with The Simpsons. Sometimes we go as long as six and a half hours. I'm not kidding. We just did Who Framed Roger Rabbit and it was six and a half hours long, not a minute wasted. We went super duper in depth into the history of that book, the creation of the film, and every single bit of trivia you could possibly want to hear us talk about. Head over to patreon.com slash talking simpsons to check out all of the previous what a cartoon movies as well ones like pinocchio south park bigger longer and uncut at the end of this month we'll be doing toy story 3 a three year long back catalog over 250 hours of what a cartoon movies in addition to everything else we've done everything from akira to a goofy movie we cover it all check it all out at patreon.com slash talking simpsons Uh, but all right, why don't we get in the episode proper? Huh? Oh. Uh, <laughs> enough of this standby me talk. Uh, Let's talk about paper towels. Yeah. Uh, well, so <laughs> first off, uh, I do like the, I think the chalkboard gag of Bart saying he's not Charlie Brown on acid is like an attack on poorly written reviews. It's just like, he's like, it's Charlie Brown on acid in Springfield this week. The, the blank on acid became blank on crack for the aughts. Mm, that's true. Yeah. The crank brought, they, they brought it up to crack. <laughs> and, and also, so, you know, for late 2001, a Matrix couch gag, maybe a little, little old, well, little musty. Didn't they reuse this one? This is this is an older one. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. Because I noted that in the InSync episode, the clothes with the Matrix, they don't do as much of a spin around as they do in the couch gag Matrix. Right. Yeah. Thing. This is more of a, it's like a 180 in this. Yeah. This is a question I actually had for you two, because you're, you're, if anyone's going to know it, it's you. Disney Plus, are all of the beginnings exactly as they were when they aired on television, the couch gags and the chalkboard bits? They should be. Yes. Yeah. To, to okay. my knowledge, yes, yeah, they've uh, they don't usually change. They when and I know when something gets changed in The Simpsons on Disney Plus, people notice and mm-hmm. you hear about it. So, <laughs> yeah, but yeah, so the episode begins with Marge uh, coming home with the grocery shopping. I need to take that mentality in my own life, coming home from the grocery store, like unwrapping presents from yourself. That's a good way to think. I do. I like I like, I like taking out my groceries, putting them away. It's fun. Yes, yeah. Uh, you live alone as well. Uh, no, no, I can't. Uh, it's all I have. <laughs> uh, you know, as a kid, I also my mom did buy me many fruit roll-ups. That was, and I was a very brand conscious boy. Like if it was not the official fruit roll-ups brand, I if I wanted fruit by the foot, I would ask for that specifically. But if I didn't, it better be a specific flavor of fruit roll-ups, mom. That's that. I was very specific about that. Do you get the beer roll-ups now that you're? Uh, I wish, you know, I couldn't find that there were beer roll-ups, but go to any dispensary around mm. California. You can get weed-infused fruit roll-ups very Absolutely. Easily. Yes. I mean, yeah. I think you can buy Already. wine wine gummies, but they're not going to get you drunk. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, see, we don't have the, we have it, Ohio, well, Ohio just got medicinal. Michigan's where you could get recreational and medical, but they we have not evolved to the roll-up edibles yet. I have not seen those anywhere. The California edibles at the stores have really got moved up in the world, which is also funny to me because I kept hearing like, oh, I thought they couldn't sell things that just look like a Cheetos bag because they the <laughs> government would set them down out of fear of children would eat them accidentally or something. But they know how to market <laughs> the, you know, the dispensaries are learning. They need to uh, market to adult children who just want to eat like Lucky Charms, but with some weed in it. Mm-hmm, you know? mm-hmm. <laughs> 
Yeah, but this is how we end up with people putting edibles in people's Halloween bags every year that they like to fear monger with. Yeah. <laughs> every Halloween now, that's the new thing. Like, people are giving away. Yeah. Somebody's uh, dumping out $300 yeah. worth of edibles from the dispensary to give to children as a prank. The people <laughs> writing those articles have no idea how much edibles cost. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no one would be that wasteful for some prank. I'm not going to see the kid get high. What's yeah. the end game? Yeah, what's even the point? Yeah. <laughs> I'll dose my own children. <laughs> Uh, but but yes as as marge is putting away uh her groceries we uh she makes a discovery in our first clip here i'll just take them right back to the store and whoa look at those massive plaid shoulders look at that absorbativity i've got to tell someone as quick as I could. What's going on? Watch what happens when I spill this blue liquid. Huh? You pulled me out of school for this? Absolutely. You're about to get a lesson <laughs> in value. <laughs> and Burley still got soaking power. Spill something else. Mom, I believe you. Spill it. <laughs> hmm? Oh, Burla, you're insatiable. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, I love this set piece, this opening set piece, because Marge has lost her mind. Yeah. She's gone yeah. insane. <laughs> this brief bit of Burly based dementia she's suffering with uh, that will be over by Act One. Actually, it comes up in Act Three, but yeah. I think she's moved on. This is a great. They found something really good with Scully that I wish they'd done a little bit more, but they. So, this was in Saddlesore Galactica where Marge bought all these home cleaning products and she's like, uh, she. My favorite bit in that episode is she bought a a fire extinguisher and she lights the the curtains on fire to right. put them out and, and lisa's like mom what are you doing like, she's like look see look how good it is like marge going that insane at least lets her be like it lets her be as wacky as homer for a change mm. which which i like and you need that because so often marge is like you know the straight man to for lack of a better word to everyone in the show you know she has to be the one who's like normal but then you sometimes have to wonder like why would she stick with this lunatic like homer but then you see these little moments where marge is just as crazy as the rest of them and i love i i like i said earlier i love when they let her cut loose like this and the the burly man thing the burly man thing is something me and my friends used to laugh about when we would walk by brawny paper towels like at the store in college we would crack up thinking about and i, I do want to say something too real quick as she was talking about big burly plaid shoulders i just realized as she was saying that henry you're in a plaid shirt i i like, did <laughs> i busted out the plaid shirt for today I, I did it on purpose i'm just wearing a vegeta shirt <laughs> uh yes this bit with uh the parody of brawny paper towels is interesting i when when marge was mad she bought the wrong brand that did that actually was a joke that spoke to me more my mom was very loyal to her brand of paper towels which was bounty mm-hmm. if i went to the store uh and did like the shopping as i uh, in my older teen years i was like oh and i got more paper towels she would say you didn't get bounty what am there- i supposed to use it's the quicker picker upper she was she was very loyal to them and i do think that is spilled over to me too like if when i buy new paper towels in the you know cvs i go like 
well, Bounty, I, I've known it all my life. I better just get it. Like, well, you know, they, they really changed the brawny guy. I was looking into this, and uh, in the 90s, he lost his, like, porny mustache and his axe over his shoulder, although I couldn't find one of him with an axe. I couldn't find an image of him with an axe. Maybe that's just the misremembering of the brawny man. Yeah, I swear he had an axe, too. I, I think what happened, I did find an O2 article about, like, how they had redesigned him in, again in O2. I think the culprit is we all made fun of him as looking gay or mm. like a 70s porn star guy that the brawny people finally are like we're sick of being a joke by you guys we're shaving off his mustache well, and he, he's going to be a more like conservative hetero looking guy yeah now he's just uh <laughs> like the image is cut off like right under his nose but he's got like a stubbly like uh well-defined chin and like a broad torso but that's it but then i saw that in uh, 2017 uh for certain reasons they put women on the brawny paper towel uh the packaging <laughs> And it, it said, hashtag strength has no gender or whatever, which, you know, oh. good intentions. But it's like, oh, Trump got elected. Inclusivity is, is profitable among certain demographics. Uh, Let's put women on brawny. Thank you, Brand. Yes. You saved us again. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like you said, a good intention. But yeah, yeah the they don't mean it. They're just yeah. like, no, this this will sell right. more paper towels. Will you buy these paper towels now if we got a hashtag? Yeah. yeah. It's always so transparent when companies do. What was the big one just recently that uh, everyone was mad about? They changed. Damn it. I can't. Remember. Oh, the M&M's. Like a very recent one. The M&M's went Which through one? it recently. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. it. That's it. Like, <laughs> who is that for? Like the people that they're trying to pander to are going to see right through that as being exactly what it is yeah and the people that are going to get mad about it are going to get <laughs> mad about it regardless so if i'm it's just such a disaster if i'm walking through target i see a bag with chester cheetah supporting the ukraine <laughs> uh i'm gonna think he probably doesn't mean it probably doesn't know yeah I, well also the there was that one razor company also did an ad for like you know teach boys better values or whatever and i was like yeah i guess that's good but it is as uh, that great YouTuber uh, H Bomber guy had a great point about this, where you dig into these things and they're like, oh, well, yeah, these come from a good reason. But when you dig into it, like, oh, this was probably like uh, made by children in in child labor play stuff overseas, or some other horrible thing is done in the name of this. So, but that's uh, as Sonic the Hedgehog famously said, there's no, there's no ethical consumption under capitalism. There's no ethical consumption. <laughs> yes, uh, but. But yeah, I like that Marge is very turned on by this brawny. You know, that 2017 ad for it, maybe that made Marge question some things about herself. Is you she know, still I, turned on? I, I think it. Marge has some mopping up to do herself oh. with this brawny man. Ooh. <laughs> and just her in, her saying, you're insatiable. I was like, wow, that's... Uh, <laughs> and I really like her bullying in that clip you played. Her, her like spill it like getting mm -hmm. that like the very like aggressive with lisa about spilling a second time to show how how absorbent the paper dolls that, are that's totally like a homer fish shaking intonation yeah yeah and they then gave it to mark it's like two scully running gags the next one is uh, in act three when she goes water eh? yes, the, it was <laughs> it was the a era of the show i love it it's so <laughs> such bad writing uh <laughs> and yeah that lisa is just like oh okay mom like she's i just it's really great acting about Yardley Smith in all those moments where you know she is used to her father acting in a cartoonish way but to get it from Marge it's more disturbing to her she's like oh, okay you called me home from school for this like yeah and also I love it's like a straw sound effect like that is how much the paper towel can suck up a, a, a spill 
so good and then it's a blue liquid just like the commercial like marge is acting out a commercial in front of lisa she, she did get blue liquid it's true yeah uh but uh, but yes marge is still she's she's bought six whole rolls of burley to stare at across from the breakfast table <laughs> this is where homer comes in and he's very needy a bee flew right by his ear and he's troubled by it he felt the wind of the bee that's good <laughs> Though yeah, I, by my ear. <laughs> I'm I'm gonna be a real uh, a a downer on this of saying like boy this is similar to a joke they did in a previous season but this is very similar to Homer complaining about the uh, spider next to his car keys. It's it's a joke on a similar theme I will say. Yes, yeah, but but yeah. So Homer is getting a little jealous in our next clip. Fantasize, Marge. Fantasize about Burley. <laughs> Hey, you're looking at that spokes, Jack. Well, I can fantasize, too. Hmm. Woo, Mama Celeste. You touch me, and I catch you. Mm. Oh. Homer, I'll tell you what I told Redford. It ain't gonna happen. <laughs> uh. Dear Burley, comma, I've never written to a registered trademark before. Are you a real person or just a composite, question mark? In either case, I would love a signed photo. Sincerely, Marge Simpson. <laughs> love? <gasps> signed photo? Marge hasn't asked me for a signed photo in months. Well, I'll show her. <laughs> I love the animation of him rolling in and out of the scene. He doesn't need to roll out of the scene. <laughs> also, when he says, love, signed photo, like Marge wrote, I would love a signed photo. And so he just said, love, signed photo. <laughs> I, I want to I feel like uh, Julie Kavner added question mark. Yes. I, it feels uh, like she just read that out loud. It was something she just ad-libbed in there. She's great. I love that. One of my, like, I guess, deep thoughts in the, you know, I knew I had to think about, like, my thoughts on, like, Simpsons episodes after a certain point. And so one of the jokes that really, like, felt like them still trying to fire on their early cylinders that landed really well for me. I, I love the idea that Marge has asked Homer for signed photos. It's very funny. To me. <laughs> yeah. She hasn't asked me for one in months. Like, I love that. <laughs> There's a later one that I'll get to when we get to it that doesn't land as well for me. But and I think that's the dichotomy of these episodes where like there's still so many things where they can hit that high like that. And then there's times where it's like they're trying and it just doesn't quite work as well. But him him saying, yeah, that she hasn't asked him for a signed photo is just one of those really weird throwaway lines that <laughs> is like so in my wheelhouse as far as like. <laughs> Huber goes. Uh, that uh, Ma I didn't have Mama Celeste growing up, so I didn't know this was a real brand. Uh, it's garbage. It's like even when I was poor, the ninety-nine cent frozen pizza she offered, I, I didn't. I didn't go there. I was like, uh, I will save two extra dollars to get a DiGiorno. <laughs> so see, it was oh. so it's a grocery outlet kind of uh, pizza. That's it's that's bargain basement. You can I find those at the, at the dollar store. I think. <laughs> Not to be a snob. I've eaten. I've eaten my share of Mama Celeste. I'm going to be honest. I've eaten my share of Mama Celeste in my time <laughs> you know the red baron was usually the lowest of the pizza i would purchase. leave that to the baron and me i say <laughs> as i open my oven uh, and that was actually paul newman they got him wow that's really yeah. impressive they got him and that he would do a joke about uh that robert redford at least once tried to proposition him for sex and <laughs> that he rejected it i love that joke because i have said before i mean like I i'm not kidding when i say i remember after paul newman passed away they had like an entertainment weekly or something had a cover where paul newman 
Newman is probably the most handsome man that's ever lived. Like I'm dead serious when I say that. So like that, that, that is just like that joke cracked me up too. It's just <laughs> the idea that Redford would like, tried to make a pass at him because he was he was the i'm i have no qualms in saying that paul newman is probably the most handsome man that's ever walked this earth and redford's pretty close behind i would say too yeah, yeah. but that's yeah. but that's just how handsome newman was that redford was hitting on him he's like you know what you're too beautiful <laughs> even for me that i think it's a good simpsonized version of the newman's own label too mm. i think it's really well which i and he's still on that label too <laughs> yeah I, I hope they never take him off i hope they'll eventually i mean he'll just be like mama celeste who was a real <laughs> person too but people think that like she's made up that someday people will think well this paul newman guy i wish he was real i wish uh, he makes a good uh, tomato sauce and of course he was also the main car in cars that's where the kids the older car yes yeah he's, and yeah that mama celeste she died in 1988 i looked up what's up with the now they just call it celeste they took away the mama that's cancel culture for you <laughs> run amok here but but yeah if, if you can find it it's a celeste pizza for one and apparently only sold in select regional markets but <laughs> that's it, funny i would have assumed that mama celeste to borrow from the episode i didn't know it was a real person and i would have assumed it was a composite i had no idea that mama celeste was real i i would have thought the same too but i i in my research i found her new york times obituary in 1988 <laughs> yeah she a chicago pizzeria owner who was one of the first in the you know selling frozen pizza market and she then sold out to quaker brands in the 70s and Apparently the Celeste brand has been like sold around like several times since then. Uh, stuff probably passed down from like lower bidder to lower bidder. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, you know, th so Homer's scheme, I feel like it needs like 5% more parody to be a parody of a regular sitcom scheme. Like it's it's too similar to what they would just do on a home improvement, you know? Hmm. I like the idea. I like his uh, his character, Chad Sexington. Sure, that's good. I like that. The My issue with it is this. I actually had here, I, I, I actually watched the episode twice. I watched it actually right before we recorded. I'm like, I'm going to give it a... And something Thank that struck you. me watching it the second time was that, you know, Homer does a lot of like dumb shit the show but i agree with you it needed just a little more parody because as it stands it feels too mean-spirited for homer to do you know what i mean it goes beyond like homer's normal dumb stuff into and i realize that's the point because it hurts marge's feelings and but then it just kind of gets waved away when they go to dinner but it like i don't know like i said for all the dumb things homer does none of them ever feel particularly like th that's mean that whole joke is very mean well, the idea of catfishing was new to us though in the oh, year 2000 sure. yes yeah <laughs> I, I think i he, homer is always a jerk ass and we complain about his his meanness sometimes but like his I think his meanness works better when he at least seems thoughtless like this this is this breaks the rules of like well no this isn't thoughtless meanness of Homer like him being like selfish in the moment and not thinking about someone else this is him going like I have a plan that has several stages to it to humiliate Marge like this is to hurt her because I'm jealous like it's the level of thought that probably uh, gets rid of one of her usual excuses for well Homer's not so bad he didn't mean it or whatever like he means this and he does want to hurt her <laughs> you better get your hopes up uh, <laughs> that, that's a funny line and the chad session thing is very funny but the, yeah like watching it a second time i was like the, and i think henry i think you nailed it like there's a lot of thought into this one where his normal like hurtful things that he does are just because he's like too like he's a thoughtless to realize what he's doing yeah yeah i think it's just uh it's it's just a little too mean i i i do like marge's reaction that she thinks she's in the 40s of getting a call from the operator like person up 
person. Like, yeah. It, 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 nobody does. In 2001, you did not get an operator giving you a person to person. So I suppose that at least is a parody of like, this is like a Gracie and Allen <laughs> bit, really. Here. Yeah. And like Bart's even doing the old time. You have a telephone call, like an yeah. old timey operator. <laughs> but this is, again, this is where like Homer just does the bit from Blood Feud, where Marge asks, how did you get this? I don't know. Like, it's even the same intonation, but it doesn't feel like it's meant to be a callback. It feels like they thought they thought of it for the first time, but it's a joke they've done before. Hey, they didn't have Frankiac. They couldn't uh, yeah. have typed in I don't know into Frankiac <laughs> to find out. So. <laughs> it's why they needed nerds in the writing room to tell them, like, hey, wait, wait, guys, you did that joke. If 19-year-old Bob Mackey was there. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's... Uh, Mike Reese puts that in his book that he said that like Al Jean was usually better at that in the room of going like wait we did that joke before that he he had a better better memory of that maybe we shall see if there's less of that as we enter the Al Jean era in the very next episode but yeah I mean just Homer's I don't know is such a classic line that I feel like somebody at least one of the animators or Dan Castellaneta would have remembered like hey wait we did this already like we we should do something else like I, I wonder just how it <laughs> It slip, slip through. I guess the twist is uh, things have gotten so crazy. He says, I don't know, but it still works. Uh, guess- In Blood Feud, he says, I don't know, and then the scene's over. It, it fails for him, but he says, I don't know, and it still works for him. <laughs> okay, you're right. It tops it. You're, yeah. Okay. I, I, I give it that uh, as comedy referee. I forgive <laughs> that as a joke now. <laughs> Yellow card. <laughs> but yes, it's revealed that they were doing this call from Ned's living room, and Ned even tries to join in on the fun, and Homer just shuts him down. Just like, I was a private phone call uh, with my wife where I'm pretending to be another man uh i do also like as they tell march to get her hopes up the time cut of their laughter in the shot like that they <laughs> yeah they go yeah. from standing to sitting and wearing a suit that's good <laughs> like why why is my son and husband laughing uh constantly to each other it's nice that Marge is even uh, inspired to take a painting again today. I bet she has some uh, some more risque versions of, of that in the closet, I bet, <laughs> of, of Burley. <laughs> I think it's very cute that she rolls out a roll of paper towels as a red carpet for him as well. <laughs> That's sweet. Yeah. she And she, you know what? She's wearing a new sexy dress I've not seen her wear before. You know, there's other formal Marge outfits, but this is a different one. Mm-hmm. I like, you know, it's a, a strapless gown with like long sleeves on it. It's a good... Marge really Momer, I guess, should be a little jealous as her husband to be like, you never dress up like that for me. Like, how turned on are you by this chance? He's, he's waiting for the humiliation. Yeah. <laughs> and so, yes, Marge is pranked, and she doesn't like it in our next clip. Wait, look! It's Chad Sexington! Hey, baby! I'm that guy you like! Barney? Where's Chad? (laughs) (laughs) Congratulations, I feel ridiculous. You mean I was just a prop in some cruel joke? (laughs) Now you've done it, you really humiliated Mom. It was hard on me too. (laughs) I had to wear a suit. (laughs) Oh, you're right. I've got to make it up to her. I suggest dinner and a show. How about Benny Hanna, where dinner is the show? 
<laughs> Disgusted. No, huh? <laughs> no, huh? Yeah. I get the sense from that scene that they were like, oh, right, Barney's not drunk anymore. Well, <laughs> let's let's write him drunk, but don't have him burp because he's talking like drunk Barney and only drunk Barney would agree to this plan and not understand it. Yes, he's like, wait, well, yeah, why would he, if he wasn't part of the plan, why would he say, I'm that guy you like? Like, <laughs> Yeah, that, that's why LG makes him drunk again because it's like, no, this is the, this is the funny character. Comedy's the drunk easier character. with a drunk than a sober person, you know? Yeah, that's, that's as we all learn. Drunks are funnier and people should be alcoholics. Mm. <laughs> I actually had questions about that. So I, they do make Barney fall off the wagon eventually. I couldn't remember if they did or not. Yeah, if, th- if he eventually ended up falling off the wagon again. I believe season 14. So yeah. pretty soon. He wasn't sober for very long. I've seen Al Jean say that he pegs it as when they do a joke where Barney is singing to the tune of respect. He's spelling out relapse. And I think... From then on, he's pretty much off the wagon, I think, uh, which, you know, is sad, but that I guess that does happen in real life, too. But uh, it's depressing. <laughs> yeah. Is the portrayal of Barney, cons- I genuinely don't know this, is it considered like in some areas like a problematic thing, I guess, having like a joke at the expense of a dig? I, I don't, it doesn't oh. bother me, but is there like... People that think that that's a problematic depiction of like addiction. Absolutely. Even within the staff, I think that's why they wanted to uh, quote unquote fix him because uh, on the staff, uh, people had uh, relatives that were dealing with alcoholism that went through treatment and things like that. And they were like, well, this this stereotype isn't that funny in the year 2000 anymore. And then it was like, oh, it's 2002. Get him back on the get him back (laughs) off the wagon. It's fine. You know, and Dan Castellina wrote that episode, too, where he got sober, which I think was, though, in his original script, he actually does fall off the wagon there and i think it was it was mike scully's choice that he's like well i've i have family members who have tried and failed to uh you know de- extended family members he made sure to say who have tried and failed to uh, get sober and he felt that it was just too dark he wanted to actually give some hope to people then and yeah when we did that episode that's something too of like if you make barney conscious of being laughed at as an alcoholic the jokes aren't as funny you're gonna like oh you're if you feel his feelings like it's uh, it's less funny you know <laughs> though i mean as uh, as you pointed out in that episode uh podcast we did bob like the parody of him that works so well in the in like season three is that he is written as you know a drunk from the 40s except then they make realistic jokes about what we know about alcoholism mm-hmm. in 1992 so yeah like i guess this character was all, always like a you know anachronistic mm-hmm. they didn't have the funny drunk characters like they would on the radio in, in the 30s and 40s like <laughs> like in the late 80s i i want to be clear too i just realized that probably sounded very callous when i was like <laughs> i don't care if he's problematic i've had relatives who have dealt with that whole thing too i'm just saying that like i wasn't asking that in a way that like i personally am i'm just saying that i could absolutely see where people are just so people aren't listening and like this guy's an asshole saying, oh, i don't <laughs> care about that at all like, uh what have you have you ever been to Betty Hanna? i have not i don't i don't know if bob has if uh no, no. never one one of the first like uh, Asian restaurants I've I ever went to in my in my neck of the woods, it was the Benihana experience. It's like they they flip the egg into their hat, they build the onion volcano, they they like make fun of you. <laughs> uh, I don't like it. I don't like talking to uh, other people while I'm uh, with somebody I, I want actually want to talk to. Also, yeah, you're seated you're seated with other people. Yeah, I don't like that yeah. at all. No, what I... I'm saying is I'm a dick. <laughs> <laughs> you're no fun. You're a bad day. Yeah, yeah I don't no. like this food magic. I just want to. 
eat. No, I've uh, I have been in Tokyo. I've been to a on someone else's dime on a on a business trip. We did go to a Japanese steakhouse that was not uh, like that actually was in Japan. That was similar seating, but it was very no frills. The guy was like, "So what size slice of steak did you want? Oh, that one? Okay." They're not uh, flipping a shrimp into your mouth. None of that. No, no. Yeah. Hey, <laughs> once you've seen one onion volcano, you've seen them all. <laughs> Okay, so that's funny. I, it's funny you even asked me that because that was one of the things I was going to say is that I forget that Benihana is a real place because it's used so often in like shows. I've never been to one in my life. I also didn't realize it was like a hibachi sort of Japanese steakhouse place because I've been to plenty of those. Ohio's got a bunch of them. Um, yeah. You know, they ask the onion volcano. They uh, make fun of you, toss the shrimp in your mouth, cover everything with yum yum sauce. They're actually kind of fun. To, I, personally, <laughs> I, I can have fun at them once in a great while. That's something I could do all the time, but I didn't realize that was what Benihana even was. I had no idea what kind of food they serve you're also served about five pounds of rice per <laughs> serving <laughs> it's a lot it's a lot of rice and so yeah like you eric i remember this episode the burly stuff divorced from the stand by me stuff it mm-hmm. it was one of those times where it's like oh yeah a plot and b plot are separate in my memory and it i mean it it's probably because once this bit ends and they go to the dinner anything could have happened of like the simpsons go out to dinner that's where the story begins there none of this stuff proceeds it really results in why they go to dinner it's the pimento grove again which was established in uh, a fish called selma this is the last appearance of this restaurant by the way oh that yeah. sucks but it feels like another magic castle joke it does yes yeah this they they were going to magic castle in la way too much all these magician jokes man i tell you but because marge <laughs> met with her mentalist right right and right. now we have a mesmerist <laughs> totally different yeah uh but then came something i totally forgot i completely forgot when this song came out i was like wait what the hell is this you guys like julia owen music Mm -hmm. Uh, what you're asking me who well that's that's harry shearer's wife the musician julia owen why are you leaving yeah that's uh that's i mean I mean, she sounds like a fine singer, but yes, I mean, she's been married to Harry Shearer since 1993. And releasing albums on the label they both own since 2005. Yeah, yeah. So. Hey, she's not hurting anybody, but at least make a joke. Have Homer go, boy, that sucked, Marge, or something. <laughs> or have <laughs> any comment on it. it. it fe- I mean, they do a lot of, uh, you know, star fucking. This just feels like a favor to Harry. Uh, yeah, 100% is what it feels like. Yeah, I agree. It was a pretty funny prank. I like the ones where nothing catches on fire. Yeah, nothing is hurt except feelings. You know, I didn't realize that was Harry Shear's wife. I, I looked up who that cameo was, but I didn't. I just was like, I don't know who this is. <laughs> I, uh, you know, she has a Wikipedia page. I'm like, so she's obviously famous enough, but I didn't research it any further. And yes, that is 100% a favorite of Harry Shearer. That's the only reason she's in this episode. Which is funny. Harry Shearer is such a grouch about the show and that they don't do enough nice for him. And then it's like, well, they put your wife in the dang show and played her music <laughs> to millions of people. And did not even make a, a, like, that's my only problem with that. If you're going to do like uh, this kind of thing, at least make a joke. Even when they bring in stars that they want to slobber over, they make jokes about it. But it's like, no, isn't our music nice? And the family enjoys it. Anyways, here comes the mesmerist. I know it. 
it's it's just is it also the way that there's no commentary on it or joke at all like it feels like harry shearer was just very serious of like no you just play my wife's song in this episode like no jokes i don't want none of your damn jokes you draw her into the show and you play her song that's all i want you and that know? song is helen back again from her album limited edition relatively new at the time so it was like it was her hot new track yeah like you said bob it's not hurting anybody she's a fine singer like when i heard her sing i was like yeah she's good at singing but yeah it's just she's maybe your stuff's bigger in europe i don't know but yeah they've been married since 93 like yeah. it's, it really is just if, if it was wife. like like let's say uh i don't know yardley smith's husband i'd have the same opinion <laughs> yes exactly which she does do a podcast with that husband though yeah hmm. uh, don't want to hear it but i welcome both of them to come on our show yeah hey i've listened to it it's good hey, i mean it's a true crime podcast which aren't as much my bag baby but uh it's they, they do a fine job with small town dicks i believe it is called it is yes uh oh but yes uh yes after we we hear a distracting song i do like homer uh march saying like you know i like the ones where nothing catches on fire and then homer says yes nothing is hurt except feelings <laughs> uh, that's that's a good line but uh then boy like this is a hank azaria episode e i feel like he is riffing a lot in this not just as mo later but as mesmerino like he feels t- like he's really riffing up a storm mm-hmm. i do love when they introduce mesmerino that all of his credits are from shows that have been off the air for at least 10 years at the time like mike <laughs> douglas <laughs> the, the, the third one probably can't be real right mm, art, well, art Linklater's sh- house party that has to be the fake one yeah, yeah. i should have looked that up but I, I think that's fake i and then also <laughs> what's he got in his hand the hypno coin which was advertised in children of a lesser clod when crusty <laughs> says if you can find a better hypno coin buy it <laughs> yeah, that's a george meyer favorite i think the hypno coin yes yeah <laughs> <laughs> but actually uh that art link later thing is real holy cow i, I thought they're making like oh my oh, god are you serious i'm i'm serious it's a real thing and i i thought that like they're making a joke about yeah art link later had like a hip-hop style show because <laughs> i when i think of house party i think of kid and play of course but oh, no course. it's real and that's yeah. all i gotta say Wait, do, you, do you have the dates of when it went off the air well at first it was a radio show so you can guess oh okay wow there you go <laughs> 1945 to 1969 <laughs> was the total run of that show See, again that's why it's a, it means mesmerino was like is really slumming it like he is he's not been famous in a long time and he if you have such old credits like that shows it's one of those things you pity a comedian for and they're like as you know him from evening at the improv it's like well that's been off the air for 20 years <laughs> and uh that so that art Linklater's house party show that is where kids say the darndest things that segment is was originated on that show so there you have it all right man wow wow i would have assumed that one wasn't real either so it has nothing to do with the kid and play films absolutely not art link later is not sporting a high top or anything (laughs) (laughs) i wish and uh and you know seeing this mesmerino stuff it certainly reminds me of that wonderful film of the last year nightmare alley it's uh, all of this this cold reading and hypnotism stuff you know i never went to a comedy hypnotist i only think of it in relation to i saw david tell in jacksonville florida once and he was mocking that like before him were ads for two different hypnotists who were coming to the same venue later <laughs> and he was like boy you guys in florida love your hypnotists huh like <laughs> on the on the commentary I Gene talks about how Mike Reese was called up on stage by a hypnotist. The hypnotist said to him, just do what I say. As soon as he got on stage. Uh, well, and then Matt Selman has a great line on the calling Mike Reese very cheap. He's like, oh, you'll be cheap for the rest of your life. And and Al Gene is like, boy, you're you're on crank today, aren't you? Been taking these swipes at Mike Reese on recorded media. 
<laughs> I think one of the funnier things about that little bit too is how susceptible Homer is to being hypnotized when it's his turn to go up. Like he literally just like look at the coin and with like before he even finishes <laughs> Homer's Homer's already under the spell. Boss me around. I love that. Yeah, but <laughs> but but first we have a little Frank Buddy Love thing, which again, Simpsons did do this on Grandpa versus Sexual Inadequacy in season it's, six. It's true, and the woman has the same response. But I, I want to say it's not like a, a a stolen joke or a reused joke. I think they're both making a joke on the same scene from the Nutty Professor, but they forgot that they already did it. Yes, because yeah. in in the um, in the season six episode, she goes, "Anything you say, Professor." And this one, she says, "Whatever you say, Professor." So right. yeah. I, I wonder. I, I'm not. I'm not going to ever watch that movie, folks. I don't care about Jerry <laughs> Lewis, but I have to assume that is a scene in that movie. When when he becomes Buddy Love, he is certainly sexually harassing a woman like Jerry Lewis would. That's for sure. Uh, yeah. Uh, though again, these nutty professor jokes were completely lost on us. Like I was like, wait, why? Is, I never watched the original as a kid. I knew the Eddie Murphy one in in my our teen years, but not uh, not the original. Okay, so see, I understood them because my so my my aunt who is she's you know early fifties. But my grandpa loved the old Jerry Lewis movies. Thus did my aunt, who I used to spend a lot of time with as a kid. So I was at one time very familiar. I haven't seen a Jerry Lewis movie in probably 30 years at this point. But I was very familiar with the reference when I was like, I'm like the only 11-year-old, 12-year-old who understood who <laughs> Professor Frank was supposed to be. But No one ever showed me the movies. They weren't like on TV. Uh, I just knew, I knew who he was based on the impression of him. Mm-hmm. And then later I watched like King of Comedy. And I was like, oh, what's, uh, this is him against type, I guess here, which it's just so funny to hear him in interviews say like, I don't know why people like me in King of Comedy. I didn't do nothing. <laughs> they just told me stand here, do that, and whatever. They wanted Johnny Carson to be in that movie. <laughs> that would have been you know uh, i think i think jerry lewis did a great job yeah his, I, his natural hate for everyone around him yes. really comes through in that great great movie his rage and anger when he says to De, when he says to de niro so did hitler i was like <laughs> oh that's great he's he actually is just pissed off at robert de niro for wanting to take a long time to do a bunch of scenes and, <laughs> and, and riff but uh but yes the act out of frank's transformation i think it's good too and again like it's great hearing them on the commentary say that his area is a Jer- was a jerry lewis super fan and a, a few years Years after this episode they got jerry lewis on for a treehouse to play his dad and he actually did get childhood dream coming true of acting next to jerry lewis so then mesmerino heads over to burns and smithers and when burns said you know he mocks them he calls him skeletor and hercules which seems to confuse the whole audience but like i know what skeletor was i guess you know i suppose it was a newer reference then for yeah younger it's older guys more of a family guy reference and yeah th- they're building a mystery okay Okay, Smithers mentions actually my father passed away some time ago mm. and if this story is going to be about Smithers and the tragic loss of his father he needs to do more than say one thing in one act True. before coming back I mean if you, if you don't take this seriously it's a funny episode but if you do they really don't do justice to Smithers character you know yes I, I agree and with they that. also say gay people are created by trauma oh yeah yep yeah hey, just, I was gonna talk about that yeah too. we'll yeah, talk about it yeah. later <laughs> that's the only way <laughs> well one thing that okay so I you know again I didn't remember how this episode played out I did not remember that it was Smithers father that was the body that he found and so when he said his father died I thought the joke was just that he that you know Mesmerino saying we have someone who's not a complete downer but I <laughs> I actually thought that scene was weird because it felt like what was going to happen is Burns was going to fire back with some really scathing, biting line like you would expect from Burns. So I thought it was a little weird. That scene felt really odd to me because 
I was just waiting for the other shoe to drop and Burns to say something just completely awful to this guy or something like, or at least to Smithers about something awful that he wants to do to him or, you know, a Burns <laughs> sort of thing. So yeah, that part was really weird to me until I got to the end and realized, as you said, though, it's like that one line that they put out that doesn't really set up the uh, reveal all that well. As I do believe on my first viewing, that line was weird to me. I was like, oh, I guess they have never said anything about like Smithers' dad before, but then... Uh, as soon as a corpse came into the story, I put the two and two together. <laughs> not to not to brag or act like I'm a genius, guys, but it was. <laughs> I was smart enough to know about how mysteries work, and that it's like, wait, he mentioned a dad he's never mentioned before, yeah. and here's a dead body. I, I hate that it's reflected on the wiki because the wiki, uh, his character name is Waylon Smithers Jr. They did that once as one joke. Yeah, and uh, he's he's Waylon Smithers. Just I ignore it from then on. I feel like I don't. But yes, of course fans of our podcast know i'm a continuity freak and yes certainly this bothered me back then this this changing of the history but but yeah so then mesmerino moves on to homer and it starts out good in this next clip is anyone here not a downer anyone do me do me I am in your power, boss me around. When I snap my fingers, you will transform into a famous historian. Look at me, I'm a famous historian. Out of my way. (laughs) Thank you. Now you are Emily Dickinson. Look at me, I'm Angie Dickinson. Out of my way. (laughs) Now, you are a young boy, uh, yourself. At 12 years old. I'm 12 years old. I'm with my friends. It's a beautiful summer day at the old swimming hole. Oh my god! (laughs) Ah! 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 Do something, Mesmerino. Uh, yes, yes. Um. Ah! Oh, that's better. Uh, oh, oh! I I am the biggest sucker for cartoon characters screaming. Sure, so yeah, I yeah. love the entire end of this act and just like the, <laughs> the cutting to different parts of uh, Homer's evening while he's still screaming, like brushing his teeth, tipping the valet. <laughs> uh, and Dan's really like they're wearing out Dan this week, Dan Castellaneta, with this amount of screaming. Well, and the animation of Homer screaming with a like flappy tongue is also very funny. Like his wide mouth tongue flapping scream that you see, but you, you usually only see it for a second or two. So it's just like extended long scream of his. Yeah, it's very funny. I also love the giddy freak out Homer has of just like, I, I, I'm Angie Dickinson. Get out of my way. <laughs> it's so good. Confusing the uh, actress, Angie Dickinson, for the poet. But what, what a crappy uh, hypnotist. Just like, what does a famous historian do? that would be funny for the crowd yeah. what, what, what would emily dickinson do what, what uh, questions could you ask this this character this mesmerino's not not the uh, showman he should be mainly he's just there to insult people barely even do the hypnotizing <laughs> uh, but yeah homer homer is scarred by something in his childhood but he can't figure out what he's too busy screaming and there is a great joke too of mesmerino getting in the pyramid he popped out of and then running away inside of it <laughs> that's that's good yeah, i love that I love 
that. And you know what? Homer <laughs> properly tips the valet, at least. That's what you should do, though. We said this before when they went to the Magic Castle-style place. It feels too good. The Simpsons should be priced out of any place that has a valet, you know? Well, this was an apology dinner, so uh, you got to break the bank for those to save your marriage. <laughs> <laughs> See, think of it as an investment in your marriage. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Stephen Dean Moore and the rest of his team do a great job with, like, so much of the animation, including Homer's constant screaming. And then when it comes back from commercial break, uh, I also really like the finesse of Marge uh, shuffling Bart's clothes like they're a deck of cards. Like, it's really well done. And <laughs> Identical and, shirts and shorts and, for the week. And count them up yourselves, folks. It's seven sets. She is uh, mathematically correct when it says it covers a week of Bart because it's seven. So it's, uh, it's, it's an accurate joke. The best kind of joke, an accurate one. Uh, but but homer is bra- dragged back from work uh he is apparently interrupting their nap time and uh i i like just hearing homer c- screaming throughout the rest of this uh this clip here <laughs> sorry mrs s he was kind of disrupted things at work yeah you're on nap time and quiet time oh homer you poor thing Oh, cool. He's still mental. Yeah. My hunch is he's struggling with some sort of repressed memory. Hmm. How do we unrepress it? Well, the Yaki Indians brew a special tea that unlocks memories. It would be a good excuse to use my Yaki tea set. (laughs) Well, is anything coming back to you? Oh. (laughs) There have been so many classic Simpson moments. I remember that time I tried to jump over Springfield Gorge. I'm gonna make it! No, Dad, everyone's sick of that memory. Yeah. <laughs> Try to remember back when you were 12. Oh. Big gut laugh for me because they flash back to that moment at least three other times. <laughs> it's so great that they they just shit on. It's hear them explain how they did it in the commentary. They're like, they allowed two words from the old clip because they were worried if they play the clip too long, it might actually make the audience think that, oh, this is a clip show. Time to turn off. Like, I, I, I'm not watching this episode anymore. Yeah, that that got a, again, really big laugh out of me. The the thing that I laughed, I think, the hardest about in that little clip was it plays into that joke earlier with, they said that I like the one where he said, you know, Marge hasn't asked me for a picture in months is when, for whatever reason, Marge has a Yaki tea set is very funny. Like, that it cuts to, <laughs> and it cuts to it. There's a cut to her Yaki tea set sitting in the house somewhere. Yeah, yeah. Normally it would be Lisa saying like, oh, I've heard of this worldly thing and everybody else hasn't heard of it. But Marge is like, well, I do have the Yaki tea set going unused all this time. <laughs> and uh, I, I normally don't like this when shows do the thing where it's like, no, we all grew up together. We've always been friends. Uh, Venture Brothers called it Super Crazy No Way School, where uh, Doc Venture points out like, oh no, we were all friends together in the past and the, the kids are like that makes no sense yeah, well, you all went to college you yeah. every person you spend time with today you went to college with yes but yeah it infers that like lenny carl and mo and fat tony and, and legs and louie were all the same age in springfield fat tony's like 20 years older than homer and also it's interesting to see that barney is not part of this crew barney yeah. started out as the homer friend they don't know what to do with him at this point but you know once they got out of the power plant lenny and carl became like the Barflies at Moe's. 
Yeah, and the way we was, Barney was the only childhood friend they would say. Cause, and, you know, the interactions Homer and Barney had up to the that point in season two, it completely made sense. Like, okay, they would be friends since high school. But it was explained in other episodes, like, Homer met his nuclear power plant friends at the nuclear power plant. And I, I, I don't hate it here, but... But, and I, I normally can laugh at super crazy no way school, but I do think this is opening up a Pandora's box to bad things in the Simpsons of like, they basically do Simpsons babies episodes after this. Mm-hmm. I mean, the way we weren't, I believe is the name of the episode where it's revealed like actually Marge and Homer knew each other when they were children, when they were both at different camps and they were all in, in the camps together and every kid, every adult in Springfield is their kid version. And I, it just got a little too muppet babies you know yeah, yeah. that i and this is the start of that so i do kind of reject it a little bit see and i didn't realize that or not, i guess it's not that i didn't realize it i i didn't think about that until you said it that yes barney was always the like kid friend of homer's watching it now it made i was like oh yeah lenny and carl were his kid friends too but I did not realize this was like the first time they had pulled that card. And yeah, the the designs are, you know, for all three of them are based on the the Stand By Me. Homer's wearing the same shirt Jerry O'Connell wears. The Lenny is dressed like River Phoenix. Carl is, uh, I, I think he's Will Wheaton and Moe is definitely Corey Feldman's hmm. character, who's the bad boy of the group. Are, are they singing a song <laughs> together when introduced in Stand By Me or is this invented by the show? Yeah, they're singing the, in Stand By Me. The first time they're singing on the railroad track is the theme song to paladin hmm. like a an old uh an old uh, like uh, i think uh, western show for kids i believe so yeah they they do sing they do not sing songs women normally sing which that's the the good <laughs> joke there <laughs> which uh yeah i mean i also like that they don't do i think it's a cowardly thing if you're covering a song and you change the gender to a heterosexual one mm-hmm. when you're when you're covering the song if if the gender makes you sound gay when you sing it you still have to sing it you can't you can't <laughs> edit the song in your cover you can't you can't you have to sing santa baby not santa buddy yes exactly that's real (laughs) you can look that up if you want to uh so there's one big deleted scene and it's here in the episode and uh, i have theories for why it happened but so as much as they parody stand by me in here the one thing they don't do is the train scene the big train action Mm -hmm. scene that is the deleted scene and so it is a big one the boys are walking down a train track which you can see in this shot what they cut out is homer also does more um narration like richard dreyfus does but then it leads to them while standing on the track homer's going to put a penny on it they then hear it coming and the train is right there and they start running homer isn't going to make it he's the slow kid and then the train hits the penny and derails <laughs> and he go- splashes into the water and crashes this sounds like a lot of complicated animation they just threw out it does yeah and and then it's revealed that captain McAllister was the engineer of the train <laughs> and he he's like you know what this feels right being in the water and so <laughs> i like that i like that scene because it, it, it felt like watching this that they got into the stand by me thing and then didn't do as much with it as they could have so knowing that that scene exists because they don't i don't think they have the deleted scenes aren't probably on disney plus and yeah. i don't have 
the seasons on DVD, but I'm guessing I, so I'm sure some somebody's I want to see that scene now is what I'm saying. I want to see that scene because that yeah, I don't know why because I watching it again, I was like, okay, is the train are they gonna do something with the train? Or, you know, I was waiting for that shoe to drop and it never did. So it was very complicated for a scene that got cut. I my theory is so the other thing you'll notice if you watch it on the DVD is there's a lot of silence as they are walking. And so I mm. think they thought they were going to get a specific song to play over it maybe even stand by me itself and then they couldn't get the song and they're like well this episode's going over anyway let's just cut 40 seconds of it since we couldn't get the song anyway hmm. like, that could be I, it yeah that's my guess but but certainly in the deleted scene the the length of the silence tells me they thought a song would be there and it wasn't <laughs> and they couldn't get the rights to it good theory i like that theory uh, this, is, this is when uh, fat tony appears and they make a reference to uh the cow sills i feel like dana gould's responsible for all of these obscure yes, references i think you're right uh the cow sills and an all family singing group all like uh, brothers and sisters they inspired the partridge family oh their story right. uh but mr sandman popularized by the cordettes and we just recorded uh bart the murderer recently and it makes me think when homer meets fat tony he should be like fat tony well like we were kids together <laughs> the tobacco patch the wacky tobacco remember patch remember you, well you're right yeah they fucked that up no, <laughs> well I, yeah no i know i this is like literally a decade later and again this doesn't count like yeah but i do like they got away with growing pot in the show and showing you like pot plants that's uh, the wackiest i like hearing montaigne say <laughs> the wackiest uh, but yes then they are saved by mo as mo arrives in the story here in this next clip bum, 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 bum. give him a lonely heart like pot. check it out fat tony those jokers think they're the cow sills and lots of wavy hair like Liberace. You guys have blundered into our secret tobacco patch. Wow! Is that wacky tobacco? The wackiest. Let's punch and kick them! <laughs> <laughs> Not so fast! <laughs> uh oh, he's got a daisy. We better scram. 18 more pumps. That could break the skin. Yeah. Hey, thanks, Moo! And that's how a troubled young Mo saved the day. <laughs> Mo, what are you doing here? What am I? My bar is empty is what? Why ain't you guys there? We're trying to uncover a hidden trauma in my dad's childhood. What, you mean that time he wigged out? Well, uh, give me some of that Indian memory tea there, and I'll tell you all about it. Mmm, that's good yucky. <clears throat> okay. <laughs> Mo okay. has to clear his throat because he's like, I don't normally talk like that. So let me get back in my Mo voice. <laughs> this episode pitched by Al Jean, a writer for Johnny Carson in the 80s, uh, contains references to both Johnny Carson characters, Art Fern and the amazing Karnak. That's right. Yeah. It's, mm, you're uh, a correctser. Yeah. I I always, I want to call it, a, I should remember it's Art Fern, not just a Johnny Carson thing, but uh, just like Karnak is a specific bit in the, the, the Johnny Carson universe. <laughs> but Yeah. Even I, like, I recognize that one immediately. What was the other one? You said there was the Karnak, and then what was the other? Oh, Mesmerino in the in Act Three when he holds the the uh, the letter to his head. It's a Karnak. Yeah. Oh yeah 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 yeah. Mo saying that's good. Yaki is uh, the Art Fern character from the Tonight Show, and uh, the clips are all online, and it's him with a very busty woman making lots of sexual innuendo. That was while, the point of that. While trying to sell a product. Yes. And imagine which of those women he was cheating on his wife with. The answer <laughs> is all of them. 
Um, I, would, I would think everyone who would say yes. <laughs> sure. I mean, that's something you learn as an adult of like, oh, wait, this these weren't sketches to make you laugh. It was to turn on your dad. Absolutely. Late at night, you know, get him in the mood for yeah. love <laughs> at 1145 uh, or your granddad, the, I suppose, the, uh, too. But <laughs> some some lights off post tonight show love. <laughs> The, uh, the Daisy BB gun line in this is one that particularly hit home with me because, I mean, I feel like, you know, again, of a certain age, BB guns were like the coolest thing you could possibly have growing up. It felt that way. Like, oh, but uh, unless you're like, they were obviously like the little psychopaths who had those ones that came with the little cartridges that actually could like blow through your like arm or something if you had someone with them. But typically it was like the most anticlimactic thing when you would get one because you'd have to, like they said, 18 more times and you could break the skin. Like that was, <laughs> that was what it was when you got one of those like they felt like the coolest thing in the world and then you got one you could like dent a pop can when you shot it maybe like an empty pop can would take a small dent i as a nerd i was scared of the mo types in my life who had those guns i was like eh, don't hurt me that could break the skin i that was my reaction i think i said up front but mo uh is so funny in this episode i love how he tries to basically like uh take over the story yes yeah uh, just to get people back into the bar like, and then right, let's end it yeah. the end scene with him is great but also like wiggum has a similar role where it's like oh wiggum is here let's have fun with him too so yeah a parade of hank azari characters i so bob i i shared with you my my photographic evidence of it but what do you think of my theory that i think they're using an older mo model sheet because this mo has a droopier lip uh, upper lip and his eyes are buggier in an earlier season way like if you compare him to the mo in the previous episode homer the mo this is a, not as tight to mo to me uh, you know i like this mo it feels like a season two or three mo to me like yeah. a, like a more ghoulish mo maybe the layout artist was working from a different model sheet maybe somebody like a west archer style figure said no this is what mo should look like yeah i like it yeah. i like it a lot it's uh it makes him though stand out from most other people in this episode okay so i can't believe you actually mentioned this because i thought i was going to sound weird saying this <laughs> but one of my notes is you know i know one of the big jokes is that mo's supposed to be like a very ugly man you know like that's one of the like running jokes with mo's character but i in this i had like every angle that he's drawn at really captures it in this episode like it is like because half the time in the mo episode like, episodes with mo i just i never really like it's a cartoon character i don't think of it that way but like in this episode every angle that you see him at like when he's staring from outside the window and everything you you get the sense that Mo is a very ugly man in this episode. Like yes. It's a very ghoulish sort of drawing for his character. He makes a weird face no matter what angle you look at him. Yeah, which you know, yeah. I'm looking at the storyboard artist. Uh, the one for Act Three is uh, Martin Archer, Wesley Archer's Ooh, brother. So wow. maybe he's like, hey, hey, Martin, make Mo look like he should look like in this he episode. Snuck in the old uglier Mo. I I like this theory, <laughs> man. We got to talk to this Martin Archer if we can get to the bottom of this. Uh, you know, he talked to Wes Archer. I bet it just. Uh, we could just ask him like hey your brother want to be interviewed <laughs> uh, but but yes uh so mo explains that uh he saved the day and then they head off for more stand by me adventures they do the campfire scene that's also in stand by me and them all connecting which uh again them naming there's two jokes they reuse like so in the way we was they do a joke of like could you imagine homer working at the nuclear power plant ha huh? and then in the b sharps they name all the names and the handsome homer simpson plus three i like it <laughs> this is a slightly worse version of that of like how about mo and the other guys and then carl's like i like that like the it's, it's the, the most is like experience featuring homer thank you thank yes. you yes yeah. <laughs> uh you know what similar joke but i think it's funny uh lenny and the jets uh kind of cheesy but it's fun 
Uh, and it does establish that the nuclear power plant is nearby. Yeah. Like, it's another important clue in this mystery. It did set up the mystery more, that's for sure. But, yeah. I mean, continuity, this episode is just a treehouse of horror for me, but in the continuity <laughs> of The Simpsons, this plant opens when Homer's in high school, remember? That's right, yeah, it's the brand new nuclear plant, yeah. Well, and also... Kaboom! Also in uh, I Married Marge, like, Smithers is as old as Homer. They're the same age. He's not 10 years younger than him. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, you know, but uh, I do like them making a swear with their hands over the fire together and it all burns them like, God, we're stupid. Like, <laughs> I hate you guys. <laughs> that gave me a chuckle. That gave me a chuckle. But yes, I do kind of like the joke about like somebody made up the internet in the past but they're actually talking about <laughs> the internetting of a, of a though sadly it leads to like an okay poop joke. oh i love that poop joke you like that poop joke? I, okay. I also like because there is i mean this is just a parody of how people talk in these things but you know what i'm looking forward to the future <laughs> where it's just like when you're reflecting on characters in the past being naive about about what we know i, I like i like any kind of joke about that sure sure <laughs> real quick before we I wanted to ask did you say that Santa Buddy is a real song I meant to bring that up before we yeah Santa Buddy's a real thing it's real it's like Santa Buddy put a Harley under the tree for me <laughs> oh my god yeah I buy that way too quickly I don't understand why not go with like Mrs. Santa Baby if you're that offended by the idea of doing Santa Baby and like it hurting your sexuality or, or whatever but sorry I just I meant to ask that we got past it too quickly. no it's okay confirm before we go on that santa buddy is a real song it means santa's your bro you can be <laughs> naked around each other in like locker room situations but that's as far as it goes uh, you know it would be funny if uh they then instead made the song about like no i gender reversed it i i am hitting on mrs claus <laughs> and i want to fuck her like hey your, your man's out of town for the night <laughs> yeah let's go uh, she's free every december Sorry, 25th out of the way uh no the uh, <laughs> But it then goes to them at the quarry. They mentioned, too, that the quarry thing is not really in Stand By Me. They say on the commentary, like, no, they took that from the Dennis Quaid, Jackie Earl Haley breaking away film, the hmm. cycling film from 1979, uh, which I've never seen. That movie. Uh, okay. I was wondering, Eric, if you'd seen that. I actually have not seen it. When I say I remember it, I remember it, but I don't remember anything about it. And now it's like it's like it's dredging up certain memories like this one of those just like homer like, in this episode <laughs> i think it was yeah, a i think yeah. it was a quarry based thriller <laughs> <laughs> no it's mainly about boys who hang out by a quarry sometimes but they mainly uh ride bicycles oh, like that yeah. sounds pretty boring <laughs> push one of those boys in as they're scared of jumping in uh carl says i think i just logged on to my internet meaning he pooped his pants uh which <laughs> i you know then i don't think it was intended but there is a you shit your pants metaphor in stand by me Corey feldman's character says oh i know what you were thinking i just turned my underpants into a chocolate factory mm. yeah we don't hear that one much i think <laughs> well nobody ever says suck my fat one you dime store uh no bite my fat one you d cheap dime store hood hmm. like that's the the yeah. line <laughs> gordy gives him I, I said last night on twitter after watching it I think we really need to bring back the term crazier than a shithouse rat because I really like that term and that's one that they throw out and stand by me at one point too that I was like that's a really that's a great one that we've just let we've let die because it's it's a funny I don't know what it means I don't I don't know if shithouse rats are crazy or not but like well I would I like assume your regular rat you know in the bar and that's pretty it's mm -hmm. kind of a crazy rat but if you're the rat who lives in the shithouse and only <laughs> eats out of the shit you are a crazier rat I would think my, so too yeah. my <laughs> uncle would use a similar expression uh, if something 
something was bad, it could knock a buzzard off a shit wagon. Oh wow, I've never heard that. <laughs> I, I guess they one. they have wagons now. <laughs> a shit wagon. I guess in the old days when the buzzards would be hanging around, they'd stay sit on the shit wagon. <laughs> uh, <laughs> What are we doing? Uh, but yes, uh, the boys then jump into the water. Can you imagine us working there? The whole call crew? Hey, I thought we were called Lenny and the Jets. Ah, uh, you're both wrong. We're the most Sizzlack experience featuring Homer. Uh, I like the sound of that. Friends forever? Friends, Friends forever. forever. Ow! Ow, that hurts! Man, we're stupid. Hate you guys. <laughs> the next morning, we went out to the old quarry to have a swim. You guys really gonna dive off of here? Not me. I'm shaking like a French soldier. Yeah, I think I just logged on to my internet. Only a moron would jump into that. Oh my god! And there's you watching McCall repress trauma. I mean, who likes getting money? It's terrible. Okay, let's go to most now. Wait a minute. <laughs> okay, let's go to Moe's now. Hey, that is pretty traumatic, uh, yeah. jumping into like a muddy ditch. <laughs> I mean, I, Homer should have broken his at least one limb in that fall. Like, that's a terrifying fall. Like, he's he falls long enough to realize he made a mistake. Like, that, it's it's really great animation. He's like, oh, my God. Like, that was really good. <laughs> and I, uh, What oh. you would call repressed trauma is such a funny <laughs> sequence of words. Yeah, that is what you would call it, repressed trauma. <laughs> I, I really gained a new appreciation for Homer's line. Something else happened in that quarry. Something else. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> you think it's going to be like something deadly or like something like that, but it's like, no, something else. There's a lot of good turns of phrase. That's a good one. Yeah. I uh, And so Homer, they have to let you know that Homer would be the only one who remembers it because the other boys leave to feel the bras at Sears. So that's why they're not present for Homer finding the body. And uh, when Homer then, I, I kept waiting for the body to show up because I also knew like, oh, stand by me parody, that it must be a body that Homer finds. Though he has to dig around for it. And yeah, the water is gone because it got stuffed up with a, a corpse in there. Uh, and then the way they drew the corpse, they say they actually drew it scarier and it already <laughs> looks pr plenty scary. Like there's there's worms that coming out of that corpse. I man. mean, the guy shouldn't have eyes anymore, but I'll give him that. It's sure, fine. Sure. Make it creepier. But like the worms coming out of his face, it is, it is scary. Yeah. First of all, you brought up the something else line, which is one of the like things that I absolutely highlighted in this. I really like that something else. But the corpse is genuinely just he's missing the top of his head, like his skull, like the, the, the whole scalp is missing. And like, yeah, things crawling out of his nose. I was pretty shocked by just how detailed they got with the corpse and the you know, little, it's supposed to be like the payoff for what he found in a comedy episode. And it's like, yeah, this treehouse of horror stuff right in the middle of the episode. Yeah. They, they mentioned on the commentary, they, they often are scared or uh, reticent to do something like that because they feel like for viewers at home, there's an agreement of like, if you're watching a treehouse one, you expect blood and guts. Like you expect that. But if it's not a treehouse, a corpse isn't what you expect to see and the corpse is like it is shocking and it, it at least does explain yeah that would scar you for life as a as for homer and something he would want to bury and then it explains I, his fear of corpses i love that yeah, occasional <laughs> overeating my fear of corpses. occasional overeating <laughs> though i mean there's a reality to it of like wow homer is like sobbing about a thing that scarred him when he was 12 like that actually is a very realistic thing that happens to people <laughs> uh this was another like the 
something else line. Another of my favorite lines is like, maybe there's murder afoot. Murder most foul? Maybe. It's <laughs> a real shrug from Marge. Maybe. maybe. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and so this sounds like a job for the Simpsons family. You found a corpse when you were 12? No wonder you've been so traumatized. <laughs> it's responsible for everything wrong in my life. My occasional overeating. My fear of corpses. <laughs> what I want to know is, what the heck was that body doing there? Maybe there's murder afoot. Murder must foul? Maybe. You know, if Dad never told anyone, that body must still be out there. This sounds like a case that only the Simpson family can solve. Oh. Okay, uh, well, we'll just be going then. Hey, you guys can come with us. No, 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 he said Simpson family. I mean, you know, it sounded exciting, but, uh, you know, we, we don't want to intrude. Thanks for understanding. Oh. Oh, okay. Well, uh, I'll see ya. <laughs> <laughs> Bye, Mo. <laughs> Not that that is that is so funny. It's it's so realistically observed where one side of the party, one side of the situation is waiting for an out. Mm -hmm. When Mo's like, "Oh no, no, don't worry about me." He's like, "Okay, see you later, oh, Mo." Thank you. Uh, oh. <laughs> oh, I, oh. Okay. His O reaction is that oh. Oh. oh, that got a big laugh out of me last night. <laughs> and so, like, I, I love when the character, like, I love when these certain characters take over the story. Bart's like, "Well, this is a caper now. We're having yes, like a fun yeah. caper." Bart declares <laughs> it a caper that all four the family will go on. It it is like the power of the story takes over, and they decide like, no, this third act shouldn't have Mo, Lenny, and Carl at the quarry. We're not they they're not around for the ride. I can I think I could see. I, I think it comes out of a, a a plotting thing where they realize like when the reveal happens it's going to be explained to by burns to the entire simpsons family simpson family and wiggum and smithers if uh, mo lenny and carl are also there that's a very crowded room that's a lot of lines to write for people yes yeah. in the same room <laughs> but they they intentionally deal with it in a in a awkward way they could have actually just had this act begin or like it resets the scene and the and the uh, lenny carl and mo are gone and so they wouldn't have to address it but leaving them there so they can just be told like no you're not invited like please please it, go away it could, it could have started off with him saying the quarry is just an old uh, sorry the old quarry is just a stone's throw away <laughs> yes that's right <laughs> uh, quit uh, stop saying that dad never <laughs> oh, that's great <laughs> Uh, but uh, but yes, then they do the drive-by of Mesmerino, who does an old Karnak bit, which again, it's uh, Al Jean actually answered a question for me uh, related to this on Twitter, but not about this episode, but he brought up how I, I always wondered why did they write that episode of ALF for the Tonight Show parody? Uh, so Al Jean and Mike Reese wrote a two-parter clip show of ALF, which is framed as a Tonight Show parody, and he says they had actually, Al Jean had told me on Twitter, they actually had quit the show by that point and were working on the Gary Shandling show but Alf hired him back special for just those two episodes and like a bonus because like you know how to write Tonight Show just do do this Tonight Show stuff so they just reused unused Tonight Show jokes that were rejected yeah. by Johnny Carson in that show I mean we talked about it but Carson was like brutal to his writers he would just fire people left and right you were working on like 13 week contracts you had to write like a certain amount of jokes a day and that amount was very big and Al Jean was just in retrospect Al Jean is like if you would have had us write less jokes the jokes would be better 
yes. you threw away most of them. So they had a lot of material from their Carson days just sitting around to use on Alf. I like that in, in memories, Al Jean is a little nicer to Johnny Carson while Mike Reese is just like, he's mainly talks about the warts of warts at all. Like our friend Mark Malkoff on the Carson podcast, he had great interviews with Mike Reese and Al Jean. And I love that Mike Reese admits like, oh yeah, Johnny was a jerk. And he couldn't say, he, he didn't want to make too gross assumptions about Johnny Carson's hiring practices. But he said that the only writers he didn't hire after meeting them in person uh, were a man who was very overweight and a man who he didn't know was black until he met him in person and he didn't hire that guy either so but uh, that that was all mike reese would say on that subject and you rarely interacted with him if you were a writer on the show yes yeah <laughs> but uh, but yes the the karnak bit of 1776 what is the what's in my bank account but i prefer the one they used reused on alpha of saint elsewhere the message on mother Teresa's answering machine very clever yeah hey you know what that alf is going to be re-released in uh, in fancier form on shout factory soon they made mm. that new alf deal i don't know if you guys saw that the, we, uh, we could do one talking alf uh just as an experiment just to see like a mike reese and al gene episode of I, Elf. i feel we must pick the gene, gene and reese one yeah but not the tonight show one because that's like a, a two-parter right yeah two-parter clip show so not worth it you know i had completely forgotten that al gene was a writer on alf until you started talking about that because i look alf was like my so my younger brother in particular was a completely an alf obsessive back in the day like had all kinds of alf like toys and blah 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 but i did send him immediately a text about that shout factory release when i saw it <laughs> pop up like that they're releasing it on blu-ray or whatever like I'm whether not, he'll buy it i'm not sure but <laughs> you know what for true alf collectors they've had to settle at least for the north american dvds being the syndication cuts oh. and the shorter alfs like uh, apparently this shout factory will be the broadcast longer versions of <laughs> alf you know we're going on a lot about along about alf but um i will say that alf two-parter was so popular that when alf got his own talk show very briefly in the early aughts Ed McMahon was his sidekick like he was on that Elf 2 parter. Yes. Uh, I, you know, I maybe watched like two minutes of that ever, but shout out to our pal Nathan Rabin, his article on uh, accounting the entire insane uh, Elf talk show series. I believe, I believe the title of it is Elf Sleeps with Prostitutes and, <laughs> and other things in this show. It was the early aughts. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, but, but yeah, so on their drive there, they stop by uh, the, they stop at the quarry. They also run into uh they run into wiggum there i do like marge saying that it would be much safer to go there in the morning and then it leads to another joke that this was also in the uh the most recent treehouse we did from season 12 13 of when somebody says uh somebody's yellow belly is showing and bart goes oh sorry like bart mark they do several jokes of bart thinking they're referring to him hmm. with, a, with a saying but <laughs> And, uh, and then, very similarly to Marge on the Lamb, Wiggum just walks into the scene. He's like, ah, I'm here now, me. <laughs> well, he was... He's he... always very welcome yeah. to see in an episode like this, too. Like, Wiggum bringing his... We'll, I'm sure we'll get to it in a clip later on, but he has one of my favorite lines in the movie when they finally drain the water. Um, yes. But, you know, his just inept policing <laughs> showing up to help with this just adds... Because, you know, 
I like that it cuts it down to just the Simpsons, but it is nice to get at least one more peripheral character involved with this when they get to the end after booting Mo and Lenny and Carl out of this, the story for the rest of the show. You know, it takes advantage of their full cast because you got all four of the voices for the family. Then you got an Azaria character. And then when Burns will join it, you got a Shira character. Yeah. So you got everybody. I like Wiggum. He's likable here. Looking for something to do. He wants free guitar lessons from the city for <laughs> Which, being a hero. I love that they just stare at him like, okay. All right. <laughs> I'm kind of a crime buff. I love that kind of a crime buff. But but yes, they start trawling the water in this next clip. Chief Wiggum! Who's there? How do, you, how do you know my name? It's us, the Simpsons. Oh, I saw your car by the gate, and I, well, I thought you might be lost hikers. Because then I could rescue you and be a hero, and, and maybe the city would give me a coupon for free guitar lessons. <laughs> so what are you doing here? We're investigating a possible murder case. Oh, you mind if I tag along? I'm kind of a crime buff. <laughs> if there's a body in here, we'll drag it up. <laughs> ah, heck, it's just an old shopping cart. Well, and it's empty. Put it back. I don't want to see it this way. Uh, we'll never find the body under all this water. Water, eh? <laughs> Burly to the rescue! <laughs> Water, eh? Give me a chuckle every time. <laughs> and Wiggum, like a very ADR line, Wiggum goes, oh, that's so cool. Because yeah. I think they have to admit, this is pretty outlandish <laughs> to absorb an entire quarry's uh, worth of water with like five paper towel rolls. But yeah. I guess they did establish its absorptivity in yeah, Act it's 1. Yeah, true. It's still got soaking power. I- I'm a big fan of reaction shots and reaction cuts in shows. And the part when he says, maybe they'll give me free guitar lessons, there's a very funny, it's like one second shot of the Simpsons staring just it like not really sure what to think but they even I feel like they crank up the cricket noise for it's just one cricket noise you hear that (laughs) one cricket sound as they're standing staring at him it's just that gets very well cut the timing is perfect on it it doesn't hang on it for too long but it's just them kind of staring like okay I guess but like I feel like they crank up even the cricket noise to go along with that cut. It's very well done. I love the act out of his guitar Guitar lessons. lessons. Yeah, Yeah. that's so good. (laughs) Uh, Also, it's kind of funny, Homer being heartbroken at seeing the empty shopping cart. Like, he doesn't want to see it this way. (laughs) I do chuckle at Wiggum saying, ah, it's a skull-shaped rock and a bunch of white sticks. Like, he's he's getting stupider by the the season as well, just like Homer. And someone has eaten the flesh. Yeah, of Homer. He thinks thinks Marge or Lisa ate the flesh off of it uh and and also the the gun does look really small in wiggum's hand they note that on the commentary it's like that's kind of look small but so i do want to say i almost held it in but the when i said earlier there's like a joke towards the end that didn't land for me it was the shopping cart one i don't know why it just the him saying i don't want to see it this way i was just kind of like I feel like that's one of the ones that it's not that it's bad, but it feels like I don't know how to explain like decreasing value in certain sort of jokes that they ran with. Like it's it's Homer be saying something completely ridiculous and like caring about something like seeing a shopping cart empty. But that would be one of the when I said that like the dichotomy of like the later episodes where it's like they can still nail these highs and then sometimes they try <laughs> and it just doesn't work. The shopping cart one was the one for me that did that. That I was like, eh. I guess uh, Homer's it, famous for liking a bunch of food, but not seeing a full shopping cart i guess that's yeah. not really his thing i mean i yeah. like following the logic where he thinks that it, when a shopping cart is full it's alive but when it's empty <laughs> it's just like the skeleton of a shopping cart mm, yeah it's true I... <laughs> okay that's that's a good way to look at it maybe <laughs> 
And uh, yes, then there's also, uh, man, I just have a very quick clip here, but uh, I feel that it, you know, it's so mean to Lisa. I think that it uh, warrants the jingle. Maybe I've been a little jingle crazy on these last few episodes. The, the belief that Lisa had that dead rats don't float. Yes. Yeah. Here's uh, here's the jingle. Take that, Lisa's beliefs. <laughs> <laughs> Now do you believe dead rats float, Lisa? Yes. <laughs> Lisa's going to have repressed memories of her own after this, I tell you. At first I thought it was uh, like an expression like, does does a bear shit in the woods? <laughs> like I thought, does don't dead rats float? I thought that was an expression, but no, it's not. It's just, they had this argument in the past uh, and now Homer has the advantage. Given her and I told you yeah. so. And just the way, it's too real the way Yardley goes like, yes like she's <laughs> it's horrifying to lisa to look at this dead rat floating by i think i think they soften it slightly by bart having a friendly living rat on his shoulder i suppose yeah that, 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 that's also concerned about the situation <laughs> uh you know what i maybe i've been playing too much uh elden ring but them in the pipe here feels like de- dark souls to me mm-hmm. yeah but they're about to head into blight town everybody uh, blight boy, town yeah. hey blight uh, watch out for on? that frame rate <laughs> <laughs> i i can't do elden souls i can't those like from software games are just i i, I can't i can't i i tried bloodborne it's I, I they're fun but it's too much for me i'm not i'm not good enough i'm not oh. good enough i'll admit it i am not good enough to play those games i think you can get there with enough practice it's just if you want to give yourself the time to look it took me uh, I'd say 70 hours of playing the Souls games over the over uh, the pandemic to finally get it. Like Bob, Bob was on the trolley way before me. Yes. Yeah. Hey, folks, always be summoning if you need help. <laughs> Don't be afraid to ask for help in in Dark Souls or in real life. <laughs> Something I meant to ask here, and then maybe I missed this. Where where is Maggie in this final act? Did they ever establish with Maggie just? Being, I mean, I realize that like you got to infer that maybe they got a sitter or something, but it's like just uh, weird. All this Maggie's usually along for these things. Let's say Mo, yeah, is watching her. Yeah, <laughs> okay. okay, there you go. I can take your baby, Midge. <laughs> you know that it, it would foreshadow Mo Baby Blues if they did that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the future one, uh, which one of the better, one of the better. I I always want to call it Late Simpsons. You can't do it anymore. Anymore. One of the better mid Simpsons. Yeah, only twenty years ago. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yes, uh, a good gag is Wiggum pulls out his gun, points it at somebody, and then pulls the trigger to turn on the light switch. Like that's a great joke. <laughs> yeah, I, like I forgot the joke. Like because they open the uh, the the manhole cover or whatever. Burns has like a knife in his hand. You think Wiggum's going to shoot the knife out of his hand, but he shoots the light switch to turn on the lights. And it's a uh, uh, it's a thing they've done before with Burns, like when he's got like a sharp letter opener to look threatening. Yeah, it's just they are reusing the gag from Blood Feud. Oh, and dear Lord, all the Burns stuff here is great. I think Al Jean uh, was bringing Burns back in a big way when he rejoined the show. And I love seeing him. He's really on fire in this scene. Yes, yeah. Not not to be confused with the uh, the cooling tower that's on fire later in this scene. Yes. But yeah, no, I've, I've got Burns explaining things to the guys in this next clip. Yeah. What are you doing in my corpse hatch? Montgomery Burns, you're under arrest for murder. Uh, did I say corpse hatch? I meant innocence tube. Then how do you explain this? <sighs> I've been expecting this day for 30 years. In a way, it's a relief. But in another way, it's most unwelcome. <laughs> right, quit stalling, Burns. Who's your ice? I'm afraid that skull belongs to my dear friend, Wayland Smithers. Senior. <gasps> Mr. Smithers' father. But I did not murder him. And I can prove it with this film. 
a movie. I call the couch. <laughs> if you see only one film this year that proves my innocence, make it this one. <laughs> I love his, make it this one. i laugh like he's in a commercial. Uh, everything he says, and I, I've carried the term innocence tube with me for a long time. Uh I also love the posing of Homer on the couch. Like, he he is your shitty friend who's like, I call the couch, and takes the entire thing. <laughs> and on the commentary, they point out what a cheat the surveillance footage is, and that there's, like, coverage. There's yes. a camera inside of the nuclear reactor core. Dozens of camera No, cuts. No camera is, is shooting another camera. Uh, Burns had this secret thing edited together, you know? Yeah. I, <laughs> I, I didn't even think of that as I was watching it. I do. I, so, Burns, Burns is probably my favorite, is at least as far as secondary characters absolutely my favorite quite possibly my favorite character on the simpsons burns is always and i yeah i didn't realize that so you said when al jean came back he did they had had they lessened burns's character for a while that i don't recall yeah mike scully was not as interested in the power plant as other writers based on his seasons it seems like he was more interested in putting homer into different jobs and also doing a lot of lampooning lampooning of like hollywood and executive culture and things like that so that's why like lenny and carl become Homer's best friends at Moe's and other places and that's why we see very little of Burns outside of like the few episodes that he's in 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 his seasons but Al Jean loves Burns Al Jean is bringing Homer back to the plant in his seasons Uh, I think he's trying to uh, put more in of what the show lost uh, since like the the late 90s yeah I I just love that line in a way it's a relief but in another way it's most unwelcome like this (laughs) but With the like, with with like the ominous sting. Yeah, too. yeah. Uh, <laughs> so uh, then Selman points this out on the commentary too, and Al Jean doesn't. He doesn't lie. He's like, yeah, this is pretty similar to Spock's death in Star Trek too. Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, it is. You know, oh, yeah. a man shutting down the reactor and dying, and you see it through the window and all that. But, it's like the ending of Fallout Three. Uh, yes, that's right. But yeah, so this makes Smithers a baby in this flashback. Like he has to be younger than Homer. Like, cause I, I mean, that corpse could have been there for, you know, maybe like a few months, but there's still flesh on the corpse when Homer finds it. It's yeah. not that old of a corpse. You know discovers. what? This is like Armin Tamzarian level uh, cannon fuckery, but it, no one got <laughs> mad about this yeah. ex- except for me. And it's like, well, if Smithers was raised by Burns from birth, basically, this changes everything and it's never referenced again, really. Like, it this makes is, it way yeah. worse that Smithers wants to fuck Burns, that's for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I do want to say one of my favorite things about this show and the episodes that is that it really is like there's like a Moneyball aspect to the way you view the Simpsons episode. Like you're, you, it, I love how much you care about canon and things in the simpsons it really is one of the things that like i find so endearing about this show is that and like the <laughs> statistics that you have and like just how much research it's just very impressive but i love how wrapped up in canon. <laughs> you know i'm sure there are other simpsons fans who get wrapped up in canon stuff but it's honestly one of those things i had never even thought about and even in this episode watching it stuff that i hadn't thought about hmm. until you're talking about it with like how it doesn't add up with <laughs> smithers age and homer's age being there it's just yeah it's just so yeah. i love i love how like into that you are on this show and i mean they realize they're being kind of flippant because i feel like if uh if bill oakley and josh weinstein were running the season and telling the story it would be like an emotional story about smithers that would still be very funny like yeah. armin tamzarian is like an emotional story about skinner and his character and uh it is moving and uh it really speaks to like the truth of that character and this one smithers barely talks mm-hmm. and there are big like winks to the audience like that they don't care it's like oh Waylon jr like smith uh, burns has never called smithers that in his entire life and yeah. now 
now the show acts like that's what Burns has always called Waylon Smithers. I, they also joke. I mean, they make it a joke that when the reveal happens, Homer doesn't even care anymore. He's eating popcorn. This story about Homer's childhood trauma <laughs> is he doesn't care hmm. about this in this moment. Now the movie's a play. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but but yes, Smithers learns the truth in our next clip. Sue, your baby, huh? How's that working out for you? He did it! Look at your heroic daddy in there, making funny faces, falling to the floor, shedding his hair, lying perfectly still. (laughs) Oh, dear. Sir. Smithers Sr. gave his life to save the plant, and since cover-ups were all the rage back then, I shoved his heroic corpse down the sewer pipe. (laughs) (laughs) I never told Smithers the truth about his father. Until tonight, sir. (gasps) Smithers Jr. (laughs) Busted. Now the movie's turned into a play. Still good, though. I'm sorry I lied to you, Waylon, but I wanted to spare you the details of your father's gruesome death. Well, I'm glad to know he died a hero instead of that other way. (laughs) I told him his father was killed in the Amazon by a tribe of savage women. I hope it didn't affect you in any way. We'll never know, sir. Okay, we can talk about that in a second. But yes, yeah. they 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 do try to go th- for a somewhat sincere moment when uh, Smithers Junior <laughs> grabs Burns' nose and goes, "Sir," where it's like, "Oh, this is kind of touching," but the the rest of the episode does not take this seriously at all. That's see, that was my biggest problem when I saw this new because the it's like a joke line of Burns describing, "Look at your daddy," and he's describing a man dying of intense radiation poisoning. At first, I wanted to laugh, but then when they bring in "Sir" and they want want you to like feel bad like oh this child doesn't have a father anymore and he's gonna grow up and it's just like was well, so wait am i supposed to feel bad now or am i supposed to laugh about his corpse like which i it just felt like mixed messages uh in in even in first viewing okay so one of my big thoughts with this episode that i had at the end was you know burns is very firmly established throughout this series and i'm gonna completely butcher this particular line that i'm referencing but one of my favorite burns moments you know even all the way up to insinuated murder or something along those lines. The the line I'm thinking of is, and I can't even remember what it is that he's seeing. He's standing, staring off of the balcony from the power plant and something is fire or something. And he says, the Shawnee are coming. They want their souls back. Like it's just, he, <laughs> he is firmly established as being like the most evil person who's ever lived. But this episode makes, you know, murder, not only murder a bridge too far when they explain that he didn't actually murder Waylon Sr., but, he's sympathetic which you don't see from burns very often when he realizes that he's dead you know he gives a sympathetic oh you know like he you don't see that from burns ever so it was kind of a weird character beat for burns's character to even before smithers jr gives the sir line you know you see that he like you just never see that side of burns in this show so it was one of those weird things for me when he treated that with like the respect that it deserved seeing his his friend die but under normal circumstances you might have felt like he would have been very flippant about it even though he is when he talks about cover-ups for all the rage so i just threw his heroic corpse down that hole after he explains it but like it's played seriously and and it implies that he's been a surrogate father to smithers his entire life like almost out of you know shame or or feeling bad for him and so it just it also makes burns like nicer in retrospect it makes him i i don't mind it in other shows of like actually futurama with hermes and bender has a similar revelation oh right yeah uh, which i at least find i found that a little more acceptable 
but it also kind of crapped on some canon as well in that series but at the very least like burns is a black-hearted evil billionaire he doesn't care about anybody he he dreams of uh that smithers will be buried alive with him he has no plans <laughs> for his future like he's he he sees whale and also if he ever thinks about well he's like you're still here get out of here like he or he'll, he'll try to kill him for asking time off like yeah he, he doesn't love him I, i'm just glad the show didn't investigate this anymore and doesn't really reference this part of the history because it, it doesn't work like literally but also it doesn't work emotionally mm. and i like smithers the way he is not as a man who was so traumatized by uh you know the circumstances that he became gay yeah so that's the implication with that <laughs> joke which yes yeah. I, as as the gay guy here i'll just say like i mean i can chuckle at the idea where they say like we'll never know which is their implication like it's obvious it made you gay because you were scared of women that killed your father so of course and of course men who uh have sex with men are do it because they're terrified of women that's why they do <laughs> it that's the joke that's the only reason it happens I, I think it was an older way of thinking before we all just accepted yes yes children are gay there are gay little kids running around there was this mm-hmm. idea like no something happens to you in your life and that's when the you go down the gay path yeah it's a pivotal point for you yeah i i i don't uh, i mean it's a cute little line about like we'll never know that what that it's lost on whalen that he doesn't understand like eh, who, who's to say please william whalen jr whalen jr <laughs> sorry yes yeah <laughs> the other thing is if you drop that last part about i hope it wasn't too traumatic or whatever like the idea that burns explained it away by he was murdered by amazon women is funny on its own you know what i mean without adding that extra bit that turns it into you know like just that that's the best he could come up with is that yeah your father was murdered by amazon women like that Mm -hmm. that works on its own without having to turn it into the yeah the ugly joke that it becomes once (laughs) he says that part about you know too much trauma or whatever that it made him gay the trauma made him gay yes that's uh that i think they would rethink that joke now oh i'll just say that, yeah but and yeah again like I, I said homer just sits back and eats popcorn during the resolution of the entire <laughs> traumatic event of his life too which... hey they made it into a movie for him so <laughs> it made him happy uh but that's but i mean that that also like you say when they want to this episode wants to get your emotions a little but they can't they didn't ra- get the ratio correct of heartwarming to not because like they already have homer is traumatized let him close the loop on his trauma but they're like nah we're not that interested in that or like okay can we have something heartfelt with like smithers is actually a an orphan through tragic circumstances like let's give him this kind of superhero origin almost and they're like well yeah but we also want to laugh at like a man dying yeah like, you know <laughs> they want it both ways again and- like if this was uh like an oakley and weinstein uh story and this is still a very funny episode but they would have had smithers and act one saying you know so i've been thinking about my father and you know asking questions investigating mm. he would be like an active participant in the story at, at least for an emotional story i think they would have balanced it better yes and you yeah. maybe learn more about his life too which mm. we don't in this episode mm-hmm. <laughs> But yes, yeah, so the episode ends with uh, one final clip here, though. Don't worry, it's not the full two minutes, but I do love Mo feeling like he missed out. Well, Marge, we solved the case of the haunted quarry. <laughs> Homer, shouldn't we give that skull to Mr. Smithers? Why, he just buried Hey, hey, <laughs> I found a clue that's going to bust your mystery wide open. Sorry, we already solved it. Oh. Well, um, you want to take a look at it anyways, uh, just for ha-has? Seems kind of pointless now. Yeah, I guess you're right. <laughs> it's just that I, you know, I went to a lot of trouble, you know, making the envelope and everything. Hmm. Let's see what you have, Mo. Okay, 
Now, this first thing is just gonna look like a used Band-Aid, and it is, but the rest of the stuff don't make no sense without it, so, uh, you know, bear with me. Wow, Mo, you've been doing a lot of sleuthing. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, I sleuth my ass off on this one. <laughs> um, okay, this is a number six from somebody's address, or is it a nine? You don't know. Uh, this is gravel, huh? okay? Gravel. <laughs> and then he does it over the credits. Yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, it's very well-observed uh, behavior yeah. of basically a little kid uh, showing something to their parents and their parents just humoring them. Like, that's a nice <laughs> picture. Oh, wow. Yeah. I can That is Spider-Man. <laughs> I can see him. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I'm making fun of Henry's childhood, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> the funniest one to me is when he says... Uh, it's a shell, but it looks like a helmet for a mouse. <laughs> mm -hmm. And when I asked the mice, they ran away, which, you know, uh, yeah, I, uh, yeah, I think they were really getting into Hank Azaria, just like, you know, the Pokemon also ends with a lengthy, like, Wiggum, uh, uh, him as Wiggum with Michael <laughs> Keaton just goofing around, too. And so does, like, uh, the Simpson Tall Tales. It's Hank Azaria ad-libbing with right. Dan Castaneda. Yeah, yeah. Although on the commentary, they're protective of the jokes that they wrote. They're like, no, 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 we wrote the jokes. He added the ums and ahs. <laughs> we gave him the points to hit so this is not all i mean his choice of delivery and like little comments he makes throughout are his ad libs but the choice of the items was like pre-written for him <laughs> it's all off of the page yeah they're there but i i like that they just he oh, homer even points out like so you made this envelope because it says this like that's that's great uh no uh, apparently in their original act three, it was that Chad Sexington shows up late for his dates and, uh, it re resolves that, which I think would be funny too, but obviously they needed to make room for all of Hank's improv, which, which is funny. They, yeah. they just let, you know, Harry Shearer got to let loose by having his wife appear on the show. Hank Azaria got to let loose with a lot of <laughs> improvisation. <laughs> and one thing I noticed that the mouse won't let them do, that's what you call Disney if you're cool, by the way, the mouse is that Homer there's normally, or sometimes there's like a little clip over the Gracie Films logo and this one of course it's Homer screaming he screams louder over the 20th Century Fox television uh, clip at the yeah. end so he doesn't norm there's normally no dialogue over that logo for 20th Century Fox but Homer screams even louder That's so great. biting the hand that feeds you they cannot do that with Disney in fact they lick the hand that feeds them <laughs> they like that hand they, they suck on nice the thumb hand. a little it's weird yeah. you know it's that well the hand's got a Mickey Mouse glove on it so it's, uh, it's, yeah. it's at least hygienic when they're licking it and kissing it <laughs> <laughs> smelling it <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah i i do like that homer he's so insane that he just like keeps smithers father's skull in a box and won't give it back to and smithers he also forgets the problem like that solves the mystery of the haunted quarry yes yeah <laughs> it's like no it was about your repressed memory there was no ghosts uh it's you know it's a yeah i didn't like this episode when it first aired or i also didn't mind that i missed its first airing and when i rewatched it i was mad at the continuity stuff but uh and also like i don't know a lengthy film parody felt a little flat to me but there's still good stuff in this i just wish they honestly jettisoned any sense of emotion in this like parent rap is a much better just zany town episode with no emotion mm -hmm. this tries to make you like feel bad for smithers in a way that's really unearned like you said he has three lines in the episode bob you know it's like he has yeah he's kind of a guest in his own story yeah now i feel the same way like i said up front uh this made me mad at first because you know continuity is nothing in the simpsons but sometimes they'll do an episode like this where they say well this is the new lore and i'm glad they didn't stick with this really and i'm happy to appreciate this episode now as one that's just full of very very funny jokes mm. and uh yeah I, I like this one a lot 
yeah, I I'm really glad. I, I I'm sincerely thank you for like having me on with one of these episodes that. You know, like I said, I have this idea in my head that I've been wrong about. It made me realize I've been wrong about as far as like when I stopped watching the sim. Not and again, when I say stopped watching, it's not like I ever like I still catch random episodes, but where it was like I have to watch every Simpsons episode. And it went further than I thought my enjoyment of the show to where it was still a weekly thing. And because of this, I'm going to Honestly, I think my plan is to try to venture into the uncharted waters of my Disney Plus subscription and watch some more of these seasons that I've kind of just been like, well, they're not as good because this episode was very funny. I'd at least give 9 through 12 eps a chance that you haven't given a chance in a while. I say watch them all and subscribe to the Patreon because we'll talk about them all. Hey, that's right. (laughs) Yeah, that's a great... I like the way Bob thinks. Exactly, exactly. Because I will say uh, certain well-meaning people have said to us, what are you going to do when you get past season 8, huh? You going to go work at the box factory again? (laughs) And the answer is no because we're finding a lot of value in these. And you know what? Uh, There's not a lot of discussion that's about like 20 years worth of Simpsons. We're finding so much to talk about you know that's a funny thing as far as soundtracker goes too like one of the things that i realize i'm gonna have to do and the the same deal with the show i'm sure you get people that are like well you know as far as soundtracks go there's probably 150 maybe and that's probably being generous like real big ones but because of the movie discussion too you've got all kinds of other options but at the same time like i am excited like if i had if i were in your shoes i would be excited to venture into the ones that i'm not as familiar with because it's something that's like when i do shows uh the meet the deedles episode that i did i had never heard that soundtrack didn't see the movie it was really fun to do even though the movie was terrible but it was fun to like (laughs) something i was not familiar with there's tons of movies on that list that like yeah you just gotta go beyond that like it's it's the adventure of that i think is the fun part so like i'm sure for both Mm -hmm. of you finding things that you enjoy i'm sure there's going to be movies i've never heard of or soundtracks i've never heard of on that list that i'm going to come away with things that i love either love about the movie or the soundtrack and that that's an exciting part of this so you know listen to those people yes we (laughs) provide some adventure we provide a service any schmuck out there can talk about mr plow yeah (laughs) and hey we'll do it we'll do it better than them when we do redo it but we'll also we'll also talk about mr plow don't go anywhere yeah. <laughs> Please. Yeah, I can't. I can't do the crow every week. You know what I mean? It'd be like, hey, I do guests talking about the crow. Like, no, that's not what's fun about this. So, like, yeah, I don't know. As like I said, it's just people with no sense of adventure. Like, it's fun to venture into these things and like find episodes that find hidden gems. It's a great time. It's a mm-hmm. great part of having shows like this. If you do want to go high concept for a year, you could do the crow every week with a different guest. And just and like, see, see one, how you feel at the end of the year. One minute of the crow soundtrack every week. <laughs> <laughs> Two and a half hour episodes about the first minute of the Cure song. Like, how, yeah, I can do that. how long is a Soul Asylum song? <laughs> I just assume I assume Soul Asylum is on the crow soundtrack. I'm probably wrong. <laughs> no, they're not. They're okay. actually not. But they, I've they've been spoken about on the show before. Uh, you know, if I need to do like a two and a half hour episode about a minute long clip. For from the crow henry i i know that i can have you want to do something like that <laughs> oh for sure for sure no i i and, and yes eric thank you so much for for doing this with us today uh yeah, well, thank you for having me oh absolutely please tell our listeners where to find soundtracker and where to find you online Okay, so, oh, by the way, Bob, I didn't mean that as an, I was joking about Henry's length of his episode. I just realized it sounded like I was like, Henry, you should come on my show. I like, ignored you completely. Like, it was, I was riffing on the length of his episode. Hey, I get music. Um, <laughs> you're gonna, we'll talk about, we'll make up a fake Soul Asylum song for Ooh. the Crow soundtrack. That's what you and I can do. For That's the, the rare Japanese version of the Crow soundtrack that I have. Uh, okay, so if for some reason you've heard this and you want to hear more from me, I am on Twitter at Uwe 
Bollocks, which is spelled U-W-E-B-O-L-L-O-C-K-S. Or as far as if you're into the idea of like discussions about movies and music and where the two sort of meet and soundtracks and nostalgia, you can find that at Soundtracker with an underscore at the end on Twitter. S-O-U-N-D. T-R-A-C-K-E-R with an underscore. I hope I didn't just insult you by telling you how to spell sound tracker because I figure you probably all know that, but it's just in my habits to spell that when I say it. I don't really do much with the show outside of Twitter. So Twitter's really where you can find me. I don't really mess with Instagram or anything like that, but the show itself is available anywhere you listen. And I do, as I said before, have an episode with Henry and Mallrats. So if that sounds interesting, you can find that, uh, yeah, Spotify, Apple, any place that you listen so you have a, a ton of great episodes i really loved your one on wet hot american summer you know because that's that's a, a true comedy classic but i i don't think as much about the soundtrack of it yeah, same here yeah and i i was listening to higher and higher on my walk the today just <laughs> to get back get in the mood for my my morning exercise <laughs> It's a great, and I, when Donald suggested that too, like my immediate thought was to like the licensed tracks, which are none, none of them are on the soundtrack, you know? So I was really glad that he picked that for the same reason. Cause that was one that I know the songs from listening to him in the movie, but like getting to listen to the soundtrack as a whole. Yeah. It's one that I hadn't even considered because it, it really didn't get a physical release until like five years ago. So you, thank you. Thank you is what I'm saying. I'm <laughs> glad that you enjoyed that one. Oh no. And thank you so much, Eric, for coming on. This yeah. was a blast. Thanks, Eric. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you so much to Eric for being on the show. Please check out Sound Tracker. But as for us, if you want to check out more of what we do and get all these episodes one week ahead of time and ad-free, please go to patreon.com slash talking Simpsons. Sign up for five bucks a month to get just that, but also access to everything behind the $5 paywall. That includes over 100 episodes of our mini-series we've done behind that paywall and also includes access to our monthly exclusive mini-series, Talking Futurama and Talking of the Hill. Those are all behind the $5 paywall at patreon.com slash talking Simpsons. And there is a $10 level as well. When you sign up for that, you get all the $5 stuff, but also access to one super, super long podcast once a month, only for patrons of that level or higher. And what is that, Henry? Bob is talking about the What a Cartoon Movie podcast. That's our premium podcast we do on patreon.com slash talking Simpsons, where we cover an animated feature film super duper in depth, just like we do on The Simpsons, which often means we talk for over four hours or even five hours about classic films. At the end of April, we'll be doing Who Framed Roger Rabbit. In March, we did the Disney classic Pinocchio. And the month before that, we did South Park, Bigger, Longer, and Uncut. Those are all great podcasts to listen to if you want to hear the history of those films and just our chat about it and there's over three years worth of what a cartoon movies i'd say over 240 hours of what a cartoon movie podcast in addition to all of the other five dollar stuff bob just mentioned if you head over to patreon.com slash talking simpsons you can see an easy to follow list of what you're missing out on so i've been one of your hosts bob Mackey. you can find me on twitter as bob servo i have another podcast by the way it is called retro knots that is a classic gaming podcast all about old video games you can find that wherever you find podcasts or go to patreon.com slash Retronauts. Sign up there for two full-length bonus episodes every month. And Henry, what about you? You can follow me on Twitter at H-E-N-E-R-E-Y-G. Stay up to date with my thoughts there. You should also follow on Twitter, the official Twitter account of this podcast, which is at Talk Simpsons Pod. Follow at Talk Simpsons Pod to stay in the loop when new episodes go live on the free feed, on the Patreon, when there's news going on in our lives. Also, if you would like an easy-to-follow list of all the previous released free episodes of Talking Simpsons, go to TalkingSimpsonsPodcast.com. Thanks so much for listening, folks. We'll see you again next week for Season 3's Homer Defined, and we'll see you then.
Um, okay, this is a number six from somebody's address. Or is it a nine? You don't know. Uh, this is gravel, okay? Gravel. This is, uh, that's more gravel. Okay, oh, this is a shell that, to me, this is just me talking, it looks like a helmet for a mouse. Now, that sounds crazy, right? But if you ask the mice about it, they don't say nothing. I mean, they run the other way. At first, I was just fishing with the helmet thing, but then from the mouse reaction I got, I got a little more concerned. You really made that envelope? Because it says hammer mill over here. Um, no. Shh. Ah!